Listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello and welcome back to the Oz Network as we continue week two of the greatest month in the world for a male actor. Not a female actor, we've already had that greatest month in the world for a male actor. It's Brendan Fraser Month. And we've already done George of the Jungle. You think it couldn't get any better? It probably can't, because we're here to do Airheads from 1994, uh, a movie starring Brendan Fraser, a movie starring Steve Buscemi, a movie starring Adam Sandler, a movie starring Chris Farrelly, a movie... Farley, why am I saying Farrelly? It's a different guy. (laughs) Uh, He's the one who won the Oscar, different one. A movie starring Judd Nelson, a movie starring... David Arquette, sort of. A movie starring... Michael Richards. The racist from Seinfeld. A movie starring <laughs> Rob Zombie. This movie's got a lot of people in it. Um, and I'm I'm very intrigued to talk about this movie because there's a lot to talk about this movie. And Brendan Fraser because that's why we're here. My name is Ben and there's something i got to tell you. I was a geek in high school. I had really short hair. I played Dungeons and Dragons. I had a bug collection. I ate my boogers. My name's not Ben. It's Benjamin. And I understand if you don't love me anymore. I don't. Um, but my name is Colin. And for all you care, this podcast could just be Ben farting on a snare drum. <laughs> Funnily enough, that was our backup option for what we were going to call this. Um, that and gay Farting sex on with- a snare drum with Benjamin Waterworth. <laughs> that and gay sex with Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Um, <laughs> yes, there's, there's lots of quotes in this movie that I was, I was going to choose from a different one, but I went with that one. And I'm glad I did because it was fun. I'm glad you stopped before you got to, I masturbated constantly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was only being Brendan Fraser. I wasn't being those losers in the crowd. <laughs> and, you know, plus I don't want to talk about past tense. I'm, present tense is different, but anyway. Um, Airheads, Colin. This is, um, yeah, I'd never seen this movie Woo! before until Woo! last night. <laughs> I want to let you talk about your history with this movie first. Go ahead. T- tell us about your history with Airheads. Um, I can't even tell you the first time I watched this. It's just, it's it's one of these movies that we, we probably got on video, maybe got on pay-per-view or something. And... I just remember watching it constantly. Like this is one of those nineties comedies like dumb and dumber or uh, major league that just was always on in our house and quoting it constantly. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of this movie. Uh, my brother is an even bigger fan. I mean, he, he might very well rank this among his favorite comedies of all time, but it was just something we, we were watched like probably for a while, every single day. And, uh, it's amazing. We recently covered Scary Godmother, a Halloween spooktacular between oh, me and Rossi. It took you <laughs> three minutes to fit that in here somehow. <laughs> Which is a 45-minute animated television special, and I have more notes for that than I have for Airheads, but that's just because I know this movie by heart. I love everything about this movie, uh, and I, I'm really hoping that I could find somebody in this life who also loves this movie as well, other than my brother because he's not here. Uh, because even last night as I was quoting this movie and playing clips for Jamie and she was just like, you know what? Brendan Fraser is nice to look at, but I just don't get that movie at all. I'm like, there's something wrong with you. This movie's amazing. Please tell I, me you loved it. Well, hang on. I woke up this morning and the first thing that pops up on my social media is like a spooktacular Halloween thing. 
<laughs> and like I'd literally message you going like, uh, what did you guys do with this? Did you buy it? Been it rent it? And we're, we're three minutes into this episode and you've mentioned it again. So the two times I've heard of spooktacular <laughs> Halloween special now available on the Oz Network uh, have come from like the last 20 minutes or so. So yeah, okay. I'm sure it was a good episode. It's also the only mentions it's had in the last 17 years. Yeah, does it have enough. anyone notable in it? Is, you know, like uh, Ryan Felipe in it or something like that? <laughs> well, maybe. We should uh, get him on the show and ask him. Yeah, you get him in for the thousands. He wouldn't be that busy. Um, okay, let, let me just start off by saying I didn't hate this movie, um, but I didn't love this movie. This this movie to me is is the Pluto Nash of 1994. I'm just, the whole time, I'm like going, okay, it's going to be funny at some point. Yep, it's, got, it's, like, it's getting there. Like, oh, I see what they did there. Okay, yep. I'm like, just, just be funny. Um, no! <laughs> but, I mean, there were genuinely funny moments, don't get me wrong. I think that Brendan Fraser is weirdly brilliant in this movie. Adam Sandler is weirdly brilliant in this movie. I think this is the calmest I've ever seen Adam Sandler in any role. Steve Buscemi is Steve Buscemi in this role. Um, but, like, it also, to me, like, struggles. Like, one minute it's almost serious, and the next minute it's like, is this being a satire? Yeah. Like, And then, I don't know. And then the whole time, right, you watch Bill and Ted, there's a nice message behind Bill and Ted. There's even a message, I would say, in, like, Dumb and Dumber. I'm, what's the message of this movie? Like, if you want a record contract, hijack a radio station, you'll get it. Like, and I, so- I, I would love to argue with you, but I 100% agree with everything you're saying. Uh, this movie is pure nostalgia for me. Uh, I, I do think that if you really, really give it a chance, you will find there's many moments in this movie that are absolutely hysterical. But I'm not going to say that it's like a joke a minute, like Dumb and Dumber, or a joke every five seconds, like Dumb and Dumber. Uh, there are sections here where I'm like, you know, I'm taking notes. Well, it's been a while before there's a big black. But I mean, I still enjoy just this ridiculous story about these guys taking people hostage to get a song on the radio. But I also agree with you. No message at all to this movie. Um, and and yeah. the, the, the performances from these three guys, like, let's keep in mind, Brendan Fraser was the only name actor in this movie, really, of like the major roles. Uh, he had had Encino Man like two years earlier. Uh, Steve Buscemi, nobody knew who he was in 1994. Adam Sandler was on Saturday Night Live. I mean, this is pre-Billy Madison even. It would be uh, about six months out. So this is sort of Adam Sandler's movie debut. You know, some people may have known from Saturday Night Live. Uh, but the performances they do give us this band, like <laughs> they they are really trying to, to to create great characters here and great material. And I love the three of them together. Yeah, and I can't. I disagree with that. And again, like, I didn't dislike it. And I'm sure by the end of this, like, I'm, I'm not even coming into this when I say I didn't hate it and didn't love it. Like, I mean, I'm, I might still buy this movie. Like, I, I generally could see myself watching this and kind of warming to it a lot more. It's, I, I feel as though I, I maybe came across a little bit too negative there, but it's just, I feel like I'm going to be overly more critical. Of this. Like, and you're going to, you're going to bookmark this right now in your brain column when we're talking about Dudley Do Right next week. And you're going to be like, Ben, how can you like say that about Airheads? And here we are with Dudley Do Right <laughs> with none of the same criticisms that you're having. I would say there's more of a message in Dudley Do Right than there is in Airheads, but that's another story. But like, also, like the performances are great. But like, are there any likable characters in this movie? <laughs> like, yeah, I even feel our three heroes like are kind of not that likable because. Like, at the end of the day, they're just three entitled guys who feel that the world <laughs> owes them something. Like, I feel there needed to be more of a build-up as to why we need to feel sorry for them. I, I kind of don't feel sorry for them. Particularly, like, Brendan Fraser, he's kind of lazy. His girlfriend but- is out there working hard for the money, and he's just breaking into record companies expecting to get noticed. <laughs> and 
he accidentally holds up a radio station and gets noticed. Like, fuck you, Brendan Fraser. I want that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> With your extensive musical background. I know. <laughs> you could really make it big. Yeah, like, I don't um, know. I, just, I, I struggle to relate with any characters in this movie. Here is, I think, a fair criticism of this movie. And I remember hearing this years ago. I can't even tell you where it was. But they said the title of this movie is wrong because these guys are not dumb. And I think that's where I do agree with you is that it made some more unlikable. If if this had been Bill and Ted or Wayne and Garth, you would accept they're just this dumb. Well, they didn't know any better. Exactly. But these guys are smart. I mean, Adam Sandler is the dumbest of the bunch. And they make a point in the movie to say he that's that's mostly an act just to get girls you know brendan frazier there's there's a moment in this movie where he has a genuine airhead moment and it doesn't actually match up with the character that you're told about with him so yeah i kind of agree with you i mean i think there's an innocence about them uh where they're just juvenile and uh you know think this all be fine because we're using a hot sauce and water pistols instead of real Mm -hmm. guns but the movie doesn't quite commit to being satire enough and it doesn't quite commit to being serious enough for, for either to really work. And th- and that's to me, like my biggest issue with this film is that like, you're right. Like there's just, it's, it's a tonal problem. It's kind of almost like Geely in a way. It's kind of like, well, he's just trying to be something. What is it? You know, like it's, there can be a fantastic movie in here that like would just, I would absolutely love straight away, but there's just those issues with it that I found. And that's where, you know, we talked about in Bill and Ted how that kind of set a, a wave of these lovable loser type movies. And you mentioned, you know, Wayne's World, the perfect example, Dumb and Dumber, like they're just absolute morons, but you somehow weirdly connect to them. You, like you will have that mm-hmm. with Dudley Do Right next week. And like that is 10 <laughs> times stupider than George of the Jungle, 100 times stupider than George of the Jungle. And like George of the Jungle is kind of a bit of a lovable buffoon and you love the guy. And again, I don't. I'm not okay. I don't dislike these characters like so much that I don't want to relate to them all. But I just felt like none, nobody was really likable enough for me to relate to. And also, like, it's a great cast, but there's so many random people in this movie that don't need to be there. Like, what is the point of Chris Farley's character? I'm sorry. Like, I realize he it's, was a big deal in the '90s and he's funny, but like, what is his purpose? It, it, it was honestly just to kind of launch his movie career, if nothing else. I mean, there's a, a couple of Saturday Night Live. Uh, I don't even know if some of the producers or, or writers or whatever were involved in Saturday Night Live, but there are a couple of Saturday Night Live actors where they're just like, okay, let's let's give them a bit of a break here. Uh, it, it couldn't have been anything other than that. I mean, but let's also not forget that this is before Tommy Boy even. At this mm-hmm. point, Chris Farley is just a guy on Saturday Night Live. I mean, there are a dozen or so cast members on Saturday Night Live right now that have probably never made a movie. And if they appeared in a movie for the first time, you would expect it to be the size of role that Chris Farley has in this. And I guess kind of the context is a valid point. You mentioned before with Adam Sandler, this was what basically his first movie role, wasn't it? Or it's one of Mm -hmm. his first, um, what I'm looking at, his fourth. So he was in Going Overboard. I remember that. And he was in Coneheads, was he? I, I don't remember him in Coneheads. Um, but as far as a starring role, where yeah, it's I like mean, his, he's on the poster, it's his movie. Yeah, I mean, Billy Madison was a year later, and, and you would argue mm-hmm. that was his first big one. I mean, obviously, kind of a lot of people will talk about the big two in the early 90s, well, mid-90s, Rand Sandler, that kind of really launched him being Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore, two movies that I absolutely mm-hmm. love. Um, so, it, and yeah, like, it's kind of interesting to look at this now and go, wow, three big stars, Steve Buscemi, Brendan Fraser, and Adam Sandler. But, like, yeah, back you mentioned before, Brendan Fraser was kind of the only notable star. And, I mean, and even then, was he, like, a big, big name at that point? Was it only Encino Man that was kind of – and with honours, were they were kind of his two big ones looking at his 
And I think with honors was even after this movie. Um, he had I had mean, Encino yeah. Man and then School Ties that came out. School Ties was a movie that he had made, I think, before Encino Man, but it was just delayed for years. I think we mentioned that last week, which was a dramatic role. So he had those two movies, which, you know, had had an audience. And then this being, I think, probably the first major thing that he signed on to after his big break in Encino Man, where people were like, oh yeah, it's that guy from Encino Man. He's got a new movie. Let's put him in this Airheads movie. Uh, so this would, I, I guess you could say this would be his his first big starring role that he signed on to after becoming a bit of a movie star. And forgive me, Seinfeld fans listening to this. I've never been a Seinfeld fan, so I don't know the history too well with this show, but for Michael Richards, was this, this was during yeah. Seinfeld? Seinfeld was a oh, thing yeah. at this point? This was the peak of Seinfeld's popularity, probably. So, two, I guess, a a lot of the other actors are fairly well known, like Michael McKeon. You know, Uh, he had done Spinal Tap. uh, Oh, Michael McKeon. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk a lot about Michael McKeon because I know him a lot more from a certain show nowadays than I ever did Mm -hmm. with some of his other stuff that he's done beforehand. And even Joe Montana, who plays the um, the the DJ. That Tony. I mean, he was. Previously, yeah, Fat Tony, and then he was previously in the Godfather, or one of the Godfather movies, just prior to this too. So they had a couple of like notable actors, uh, and then really had these three leads, which I, I would love. To, Steve Buscemi is the one that's the biggest mystery to me because you get we're going to put Brendan Fraser in a movie. He was big in Encino Man. He was funny. He didn't even need to talk English, and you know people loved him. Adam Sandler, a big breakthrough on Saturday Night Live. Steve Buscemi, I mean, he'd done a small role in Reservoir Dogs. And they're like, hey, let's put him in this this dopey Bill and Ted Encino Man style comedy. Like, what was the logic of putting Steve Buscemi in this movie? I mean, it completely works. In some ways, I think it, this suits him better than the other two actors. But who was he at all where they thought, let's yeah. put him in this goofy comedy? And it kind of works for him because, like, you know, you talk about before about a lot of people say, well, why is this movie called Airheads? They're not really dumb. They've kind of almost got that edge to them. I mean, Steve Buscemi is the one that you, I mean, he is the one basically with the idea almost. Like, he, he yeah. pulls the gun. Like, he's the one who looks like the crazy <laughs> one who's going to do it. If this was just Adam Sandler and Brendan Fraser, then maybe it is a bit more airheady and it's a bit more dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, Steve Buscemi kind of adds that almost serious nature to it. Um, so, it, it is kind of interesting. But, yeah, I mean... It's, it's it's crazy to look back at this now and think that, like, A, for me, that I'd never seen this with the three because I love all three of those main stars. Like, if I see them on paper, like, to me, I should be watching it. It's like, um, I, I will admit, I've never seen Earth, Earth Girls Are Easy. And if I'm not mistaken, that's Jim Carrey mm. and Jeff Goldblum together, is it not? Yeah. And how have I not yeah. seen that? And Gina Davis is in that too, isn't she? Yeah. Um, and I love Gina Davis. So, like, th- there's three people that I should be watching. It's like if you right now told me that Kevin Bacon and Natalie Portman had started a movie together and I hadn't seen it. I'd be like, well, what the <laughs> fuck's wrong with me? Uh, <laughs> like, that's like Ben Porn right there. Um, it's like, so- imagine imagine the movie where Liam Neeson and Rihanna are oh. in it together and Colin doesn't watch it. <laughs> Colin's just hung up right now. <laughs> Die Another Day 2 with Liam Neeson and Rihanna? <laughs> What's going on? Um, but yeah, it's, it's fascinating to, to think that like, it's just weird to think back in 1994 that you would have been like, Adam Sandler, oh, that's that guy from Saturday Night Live. And here he is. And all three of them, like Steve Buscemi more so has kind of gone on to be a bit more of a dramatic actor, although he still obviously yeah. pops up in a lot of Adam Sandler movies. Adam Sandler, we know in the last 12 months, robbed of an Academy Award nomination. So he's got it in him. And Adam Sandler's always had it in him. He just chooses not to really mm. do them. And this, out of all the Brendan Fraser movies we're going to be doing this month, this is the most serious Brendan Fraser actually is. And 
he's not really super serious, but like there's elements to his acting in this movie where you can kind of see the serious side of him that he's genuinely a great actor. And not that he's not a great actor when he's not being serious. We talked a lot about that in George of the Jungle and you want your goofy slapstick um, Three Stooges style comedy, wait to Dudley do right next week. Um, but yeah, I mean, great layers to all three of these guys. Uh, just so good. All of them. Good on them for being men. Being airheads <laughs> Being air- was this was this a period of like lots of movies with heads in it cone heads airheads do we have anything else around there was this just a saturday night live thing they loved heads in it yeah, wayne's world heads Wayne, uh, wayne's world, dumb and dumber heads uh, <laughs> the mask head uh, there's something about mary's head yeah indeed and 94 we've, we've covered a few films in 94 94 was a big year i feel like of all that we oh, yeah. constantly talk about let's do a year month or something like that. Like 94 is the one that always seems to pop up. Like, have we done mm-hmm. more movies from 94 than any other year? Uh, I only trying to think of, we've done true lies. We've mm-hmm. done airheads. We've done the Santa Claus. I mean, it's the ones that we haven't done. That's more shocking. Like we have not done Forrest Gump. We haven't mm-hmm. done dumb and dumber. We haven't done Pulp Fiction, Ace Junior. Ventura, Junior. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> one of the few. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh. We've done the Lion King. Uh, I'm just looking here at the top 10. We've done speed. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, so the other top ten, yeah, we're Forrest Gump you mentioned, True Lies we've done, The Mask, The Clear and Present Danger, uh, yeah, Interview with the Vampire, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you mentioned we talked about the Flintstones last week, didn't we? So yeah, we, we might need to tick off the top ten here because I mean, crow? Gosh, yeah, Crow. Uh, I I mean, I am down for doing The Mask and Dumb and Dumber, and no ex- no excuse needed for me to do a Jim Carrey movie, which we still haven't done a Jim Carrey movie on this show. How is that a thing? Um. Anything else we really want to talk about here? I mean, the director of this movie. <laughs> the director, this is kind of funny, okay? Um, so I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the movie. I've never seen it all the way through. Uh, but a movie called Heathers is what he broke through with, which is a very dark, like, teen movie with Winona Ryder in it. Uh, basically about teen suicide, from what I gather. Right. <laughs> uh, very serious, very acclaimed movie. And... The director of Heather's goes on to make Airheads, which is just bizarre to me. Well, I'm looking here at his filmography. Hudson Hawk. I I can't remember if that was a movie my mum loved or hated. I feel it was a hate because my dad would watch anything with Bruce Willis in it. And I feel like every single time that came up, like my parents, mainly my mum would like complain about like oh Hudson Hawk that was shit I could be getting that wrong maybe they loved it but I just feel there was always a Hudson Hawk conversation it was like BMX Bandits always came up in our house as like the worst <laughs> movie my parents had ever seen like that and there was another movie oh I can't even remember the name of it apparently it was so bad that my parents basically walked out of the cinema like it was some eighties movie I can't remember um but we mentioned did we not mention this last week the truth about cats and dogs yeah uh, how to make an American quote it was a very inquisitive time nineteen ninety six. Uh, My Giant, which if I'm not mistaken was a massive flop. Uh, Billy Crystal and that really tall NBA guy. And 40 Days and 40 Nights. Now, have you not talked about that before as being like a really dark comedy? And that's Josh Hartnett, right, isn't it? Yeah, it's something I'd be intrigued to do for Bad Movie Month. I mean, that might be my nomination next year. Uh, It it sort of presents itself as a lighthearted comedy and then... It has a scene that essentially depicts rape against a man as a joke, uh, which might be the single most offensive thing I've ever seen in movies. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, his career took a bit of a nosedive after Airheads. Let's just call Airheads his peak. 
I love you say the most offensive thing you've seen in movies, and we've covered the Emoji movie, so that's a big statement. <laughs> yes. Uh, and also the last movie that I see here that Michael, is it Lehman, Lehman's directed, uh, the 2007 smash hit comedy with Diane Keaton and Mandy Moore called Because I Said So. Oh, uh, classic. And, and the poster is literally Diane Keaton with a smile on her face pointing at Mandy Moore, who has kind of got a resting bitch face look on her face, like going, <laughs> bitch, please. Um, and, I mean, literally, it looks like she's telling her to do something and saying, because I said so. So <laughs> Because I said so. And it's got Lauren Graham in it, so I'm kind of out. I don't want to see one of the Gilmore Hyper Parable. Let's I've cover it. Colin Ferguson, though. Um, that's okay. Uh, Ty Panitz is in it. <laughs> oh, Gabrielle Mack's in it. Uh, Harvey Specter from Suits is in it. Oh, okay. Maybe I would watch that movie. Random movie month coming soon. <laughs> you know, that's actually an idea. Like, if you go to Google right now, let's try this. If I type in random movie, will it give me a random movie generator? Okay. So if I right now, we could do this like one week, we, uh, one year. This is so, this is intriguing. So if I press rerun, so the four movies we would be doing would be called The One and Only Ivan. Never heard of it. Justice League. <laughs> I love how that's in <laughs> random movies month. Project Power. Looks like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, that, that one's good. Never heard that. And Toy Story 4. So there you go. That's a cool little month we could do. I don't know. Mine has given us the tax collector, <laughs> Tenet, the babysitter, Killer Queen, and the Rise of Skywalker. So uh, I would go with your choices to avoid the Rise of Skywalker again. Well, I, I like this one because this is for the movies I've never heard of. You've got this, Arkansas, We Bear Bears, the movie, and Becky. So we, we've been. Options. Looking for an excuse to do We Bear Bears. We Bear Bears the movie. Wow. Finally, they made a movie of that. I was waiting for years for them to <laughs> finally make the movie. Um, all right, let's 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 get into this. Um, this starts off very... Uh, are you familiar with the uh, Peter Gabriel film clip to Sledgehammer? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Love Peter motion. Gabriel. Yep, of course. One of the greatest film clips of all time. This Does this not remind you of that at the beginning? Mm-hmm. Kind of got these like record players and guitars, CD, and, yeah, CD stacks. One thing I will say about this movie: it's very dated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it is very it's, dated. You know, when we get to the box office, it might be interesting to pick apart why this movie failed. And I think the early to mid '90s is an interesting time where I think, in particular, music and style changed so quickly mm. that. A lot of things were dated. I remember even in Sino Man, which came out like 1992. And if you look at the soundtrack and then the 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 style of the, the look of all the characters in Sino Man, it was outdated between when they filmed it, when it came out. And I yeah. think that may be one of the other reasons with Airheads, why it didn't become a bigger hit when it did come out. Because from the point they started filming this, I mean, everything had changed and suddenly thrash metal is just not cool. Yeah, well, it's, it's Seattle-based grunge, right? You even get a dig in this movie of it. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's Seattle crap. Uh, yeah, but it's it's kind of it's interesting to look at this and like you're right, like with the music and everything that kind of changed in that period. I mean, you know, I think we even get a Millie Vanilli reference in this, don't we? The Mark and <laughs> yeah. the Funky Bunch, like, and you, you are doing Man, those guys suck. Yeah, what was the, the one there where it's like um, they're, they're mentioning Tommy Lee, like he was a thing. Remember yeah. that he wasn't just in a sex tape with Pamela Anderson, and it's like who's who's up banging Heather Lockley? It's like whoa, yeah. this movie just got <laughs> so nineties. <laughs> There's two names that haven't been mentioned since the 90s. <laughs> Isn't Heather Locklear like in rehab now or something like that? Like, Well, she should be. <laughs> <laughs> 
that dirty, dirty woman. <laughs> been begging for rehab for a long time. Um, but it's kind of cool, like this stop motion style thing, um, tickets, all that kind of stuff. We, we meet our radio host extraordinaire, the Ben Waterworth of this episode, Joe Montana, uh, Fat Tony. Uh, I, I, I think I literally only know him as Fat Tony. I've never seen the Godfather movies. So uh, I like this guy, though. I, I like You kind of start off, I feel like, not liking him. But then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, okay, this guy's kind of, you know, cool in a way. He had um, a massive TV miniseries in the 90s that was from Mario Puzo, the same guy that wrote The Godfather. But this time it was like him starring called The Last Dawn, which, I mean. This is The Last it, Dawn. <laughs> the last dong John Montana uh, but no it's 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 got to be one of the greatest miniseries I've ever seen uh, and I think yeah that's probably just after this came out too so um, this is obviously unusual for him but then I guess you could say The Simpsons is even more unusual one thing I will say about movie this movie too we talked about how maybe not many likable characters I want to say law enforcement and security in 1994's Airhead is <laughs> terrible um, because we start off with and again, we, I don't know their characters' names. We're just going to call them by their actors, as we always do. Brendan Fraser pulls up on a motorcycle and he's in a record company and he basically puts on a delivery costume, which this must be a regular thing because basically he walks in the door and straight away the security guard is like, hey, it's that crazy guy. Stop. You need an appointment. Um, and he rushes into the elevator where there's a bunch of cat-in-the-hat wannabes. Uh, and what does one of them say? They're like, if you feel like wetting yourself, do it. (laughs) What? (laughs) Their manager. No, it's the manager is saying, okay, guys, I want you to be wild. I want you to be crazy. If you feel like wetting yourself, just go with it. (laughs) I'm like, okay, sure. Um, And then he gets up to the second floor. And then again, some other woman's like, that crazy guy's back. Call security. (laughs) (laughs) This is 1994 Los Angeles. Right? They had riots not that long ago. Like, where's the security? I mean, we're going to see it Riots later that on. are addressed in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> they could have guns, which they sort of do <laughs> later on. Like, wow. Uh, this wouldn't happen in Donald Trump's America. Uh, Bill Clinton <laughs> let things slide, man. Uh, <laughs> but basically, Brendan Fraser gets it. I love it kind of when he's like walking down the halls and he escapes the people and he kind of like does this nod of his head like, all right. Well, because it's the furthest he's ever gotten. I think that's the idea here is that he tries this all the time and he always gets stopped before he gets to this point. Well, he meets uh, the record executive played by Judd Nelson. Now, I thought his name was Jimmy Wang. It's Jimmy Wing, apparently. Jimmy Wing, yeah. With the most ridiculous soul patch I have ever seen. If you want to see like 1990s fashion in full force, you have Brendan Fraser with long hair and John Nelson with a soul patch <laughs> almost as big as his nose with this slick back wet hairstyle and this baggy suit. Like again, Using 1990- the phrase super duper. Yeah, 1994. This was cool. Like if you dress like this, you no. were cool. I don't think that I don't think he is supposed to be cool. I think the whole idea about casting Judd Nelson, because of course he was famous as being the what what Brendan Fraser's character is, that's what he was to the Breakfast Club. So the idea of putting him as this stiff, out of touch, you know, music executive, I think was kind of the idea here. So I don't know if Jimmy Wing is supposed to be the cool guy in the movie. Well, he's cool to me. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> it's a soul patch, right? It's a soul patch. I had a soul patch for so much of the early 2000s. Mine wasn't this big though. Mine was just a little flavor saver. This is like a freaking welcome mat. Um, <laughs> but like, I feel 
like you talk about how like quickly the nineties change. I feel like this is almost like a a, a long overdue connection to the the eighties. Like I feel like this is a bit Wall Streety or like when we watched Ghost. Mm. That uh, remember we did Ghost. Uh, <laughs> hey, remember? Was that this year? Was that Ghost? That this was year? yeah, anniversary holy, month. Holy crap! That feels like twenty years ago. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's kind of like almost that leftover style there. But Brandon Fraser's like, "Hey man, I've got this cool demo. You should do this." And what does what does he say? He Jonas is like, "Hey, if it's meant to be, it'll be." Like, I'm not going to listen to this or something yeah, like that. Yeah, because it's unsolicited. He can't Uns- take unsolicited material. God, back remember the days when people could you know have to drop off demo tapes and CDs rather than just sticking it up on YouTube and getting discovered. You know, yeah, Justin Bieber, thanks. Yeah. Billie Eilish, you know, like, screw you two Rebecca people. Black. <sighs> well, I mean, who would you take out of those three? I'm going to say Rebecca Black. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, if I had to say right now, who would I rather go see live? Probably Rebecca Black. Uh, <laughs> she seems like the most, uh, you know, the nicest out of the three. Uh, Fatty Esther. <laughs> they're still waiting to get discovered. Uh, the world is waiting to be unleashed to the magic that is Fatty Esther. Speaking of Fatty Esther, Noah's a racist. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> oh, and he can't get a date. There it is. Um, I, I love the. We, we had somebody tweet us this week for our other show, Double Oz 7. Yes. <laughs> Noah repeatedly trips up on, on trying to say the, the name Cess and yep. it comes out sex, sex, sex and he just has Tourette's like he can't <laughs> say anything but sex all the time. That is the most Noah thing I have ever heard. Yep, yep. That's why he can't get a date because he just goes up to women and he's just like, <laughs> first of all, he goes, what colour skin are you? Okay, cool. Uh, hi, I'm Noah. Sex, 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 sex. Get away from me. <laughs> Funnily enough, though, that's how Colin got Jamie, and Jamie did it to him. And Colin's like, yes, okay, exactly. Uh, can we make some? I thought she was. I thought she was a James Bond fan talking about yeah. Slender. <laughs> We're gonna sign a contract. We'll only have sex twice in our marriage. Uh, we'll have uh, <laughs> three children. Um, yeah. So Brendan Fraser gets kicked out, and I love how they just throw him out. And again, this is a regular occurrence, clearly, because mm-hmm. they know this guy is. Shouldn't they be calling the cops at this stage rather than just throwing him out in the street? <laughs> This whole movie could have been prevented right now, security at record company, if you'd have done your job. Um, he's back in his place. I, I kind of love sitting on his couch, loser Brendan Fraser, shirtless, like air guitaring, watching a TV. <laughs> the, the thing is, though, that I will say, like with Brendan Fraser's character, and probably all three of these guys, I don't know if I fully buy them as like the full like dude rockers. Like that's also maybe an issue. Like mm. I get it with Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. I get it with uh, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey. Like I buy it. Like they're kind of that real like yo dude. Like we're rockers. There's just something about these three that for some reason I don't equate to being rock really? stars. Is that just me? I, I I totally do. I mean I think Brendan Fraser of the three maybe the least, but that's only because uh, he, he seems too nice. Yeah. But I think uh, of the three of them, Steve Buscemi completely fits this. Like it, it, for him, I, I wouldn't question it at all. Uh, I think all three of them, you know, suit it to a certain extent. I don't know. There's just something. Yeah. Uh, Fraser are too nice. Like rock and roll. <laughs> but like, it's funny though. Cause like Adam Sandler is like the nicest of the three. I, I really love Adam Sandler in this movie. There's just something like, I love Adam Sandler and everything. Like he's just Adam Sandler, but like, this is, the, the quietest and most diminutive I've ever seen him in a movie. <laughs> like, well, almost. The, he does have his moments of frantic screaming, which I think are the best <laughs> things he does in this movie. <laughs> when, I love a good Adam Sandler scream. Good Adam Sandler rant. We meet Brendan Fraser's girlfriend. Is she the worst? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> who, who is this woman? 
I, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought her up here. Okay, so um, Amy Locaine. Uh, oh, the now, I, I literally know her from one other movie, and it is School Ties because she did that right before this with Brendan Fraser. And at the time, as a child, I just assumed, oh, maybe they're actually a couple in real life, and that's why they're always in these movies playing boyfriend and girlfriend. Uh, literally don't know her from anything else. Uh, she's a piece of work. Like, first of all... <laughs> No, wait till wait till I get to the story here. You're gonna love this. Um, okay, so first of all, she's not a good actress. She's not terrible, but she is the least likable and probably the only one in this movie that doesn't genuinely get a laugh from me at some point. Like she doesn't have any funny moments. Uh, after retiring from acting, uh, 2010, she was involved in a um, uh, a car crash where she was arrested for drunk driving going 85 kilometers uh in a 55 zone um she hit a car going 85 kilometers hit a car that was going less than five kilometers an hour (laughs) as it was coming out of its driveway uh she killed the passenger a 60 year old woman uh she was at 0.23 percent blood alcohol level uh ended up uh being charged with manslaughter and went to jail. Now, the judge was lenient on her and gave her a three-year sentence. I guess she got out after three years. Since getting out, she has repeatedly been put almost on retrial. I don't even know what you would explain it as, but repeatedly is being put back into court for saying, the original judge was way too lenient on you. You killed a woman. (laughs) (laughs) You killed a person. This is that line later in the movie. It's like, Vince Neil killed a man and he only did 30 years and 30 days in jail. (laughs) This is what she has lived out for the last decade of her life where she will go back to court and they're going to like, three years, what was that judge thinking? We're going to give you five years. And then, oh no, we can't do that. And now eventually, I guess she's back in prison now uh, where they're saying that they had to upgrade her sentence to eight years so literally she was just uh a month ago sentenced again to a full eight years after killing somebody 10 years ago and only serving three years for it she's living the rock star life apparently i was literally looking at her filmography thinking wow she had a big gap between 2009 and 2020 uh kind of makes (laughs) sense now she how does she have something coming out after killing a person this short film cooties uh she plays christine (laughs) (laughs) The short films really count, but I love here how she was in Bad Karma, well, and she was also in a movie called Throttle and The Heist. So, uh, yeah, going going quite well there. And she also was in Bram Stoker's Legend of the Mummy a year before, oh no, that was a year after Brendan Fraser's Mummy came out. So maybe she looked at that and goes, oh, Brendan Fraser can do a mummy movie. I'm going to do one myself and add Bram Stoker. Right after I kill this 60-year-old woman. <laughs> she, she is like, like the worst in real life, clearly. But also, like, in this movie, like, you talk about non-redeemable characters. Like, okay, I said before that Brendan Fraser's kind of a bit of a slacker and while his girlfriend's out working, I stand by that. But at the same time, she's a bit of a bitch. Like, she just comes home. She's abusive. <laughs> she is. She comes in and, and she's this- like, you go to a record company, she gets all excited. And she's like, oh, but you didn't get signed. And starts throwing CDs at him. Yeah, and, and then later in the movie, it's not like a playful slap, like Gone with the Wind slap. She, like, belts him in the face for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> her char- This is her in real life. I, they didn't I, even tell her there was a movie. I love how you say, it's not like a playful slap, like Gone with the Wind. <laughs> <laughs> the movie they just wanted. Didn't they pull that off Prime or something like that because it's offensive and abusive or something like that? Oh, they're or? pulling everything off now. Yeah. Ew, that sounds Except for Airheads. Yeah, I know, right? Abusive women, future murderers. 
Bash and Brendan <laughs> Fraser. This should be a, a a national inquiry into this. No one hurts Brendan Fraser except the box office because they're bad. <laughs> um, what did she say here when she's like, "My makeup fell in the toilet. You, you destroyed my makeup, you butt," or something like that? <laughs> there are so many great like PG insults in this movie. So many butts and dicks, like. <laughs> The, the thing, most polite use of anatomy. The thing, though, that, like, I find... This is, again, hard to relate to these characters because, like, I feel like we really should be sympathising with Brendan Fraser's character here, but, like, I kind of don't. Like, I kind of don't care about any of these two right now yelling at each other because, like, yeah, she's an absolute abusive cow, but at the same time, like, he kind of... Like, when he's like, oh, you can go get a job. This is my job, babe. We're going to make it. And when we do make it, I'm going to, like, give you the free ride. Like... Come yeah. on, does that work? Like, if that works, I could have been with many women over the years. I didn't have to just stick with two and get engaged to them. Like, come on. <laughs> you could have been with Brendan Fraser. I could have been. Like, I could have just lied to women. Is this a thing that men do? Do men lie to women or something? Like, have I missed this? Like, have I just been too honest my entire life? I'll marry you. Yeah. Well, half of that was honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he gets kicked out. This is the thing. He goes and picks up Steve Buscemi, who works in a toy store. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With, like, the boss who's, like, going, what are you doing? I asked you to stack these shelves. And he just <laughs> leaves. Um, I'm going to tell Mr. Covington. <laughs> I love, like, Brendan Fraser, like, looks at him and he's just kind like, you know, <laughs> gives him, like, a face. kiss. And he's like, what's up? <laughs> but then we meet Adam Sandler, who's, like, doofus of the movie he's wearing like a shirt with his belly hanging out he's wearing like a <laughs> is it a, a what is that thing is he wearing a cap or is it just like a, a beanie toque thing with a pool company on it or something like that um, yeah I don't know he's just like I don't know like I had no expectations of Adam Sandler except I'm thinking like oh okay he's Adam Sandler he will be the same as he is in everything but he's so not he's just kind of like this like oh, you guys, of all the people you feel sorry for in this movie it's probably Adam Sandler because like, yeah. he's just, he's very nice. He's kind of very naive. And he just, he kind of has like some of those, I swear this is one of the ones I wrote down. Um, I didn't, I see, I didn't write down many things in this movie either. Is this where one of them sneezes and he's like, say Gesundheit, I would for you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, he's so like polite. Uh, say Gesundheit, I say it for you. Yeah. <laughs> right after he, right. That was, I think literally right after Steve Buscemi, he's like, get in the van, dingus. Yeah. <laughs> like they are so mean to Adam Sandler. <laughs> and they're brothers, right? They're, they they're, are. Yeah. Yeah. You two brothers. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that off air. Great movie. Um, so they they go back to their place and Steve Buscemi's like stolen a bunch of things. Adam Sandler like mechs it on with a crash test dummy and basically makes him 69 with another thing. Um, <laughs> 69 colon is a sex act. Ask your wife about it. Um, I learned it from Airheads. <laughs> oh, so you've had to say you learned it from Jamie. I'm like, whoa. Okay. Uh, <laughs> she just comes to bed and just... Gets into position. Get into position. It's that night. Um, She's taking Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh to demonstrate this to me. Like, call it like this. <laughs> um, but this is where we, we see the guns. These, like, Uzis where they kind of look realistic. They've been taken from the shelves because they t- look too realistic. And Steve Buscemi puts hot sauce in them because mm-hmm. it gets in the eyes of something. Um, this is the first movie too that Steve Buscemi and Adam Sandler did together, and I know like they they frequent collaborators. I know of at least two. I know they're in Mr. Deeds and uh, Big Daddy together, but I feel there are more because um, Adam Sandler obviously has his kind of group of people that he always works with. Uh, Rob Schneider. Yeah, like Rob Schneider. There's um oh there's those, there's one of the guys in this movie. He plays one of the cops. 
Uh, the non-Chris yeah. Farley character. He's in like every Adam Sandler. The movie. Wedding Singer, yeah. Yeah, um, all those sort of movies. So, yeah, this is kind of setting up. They've got their Uzis. Then we go back to Joe Montagnus at a bar with some band that clearly got discovered before Brendan Fraser and Adam Sandler and Steve Buscemi's band. Uh, we meet Michael McKeon for the first time. Now, I know him, of course, from Better Call Saul, uh, where he uh, plays, um, uh, Rob, what's his face's brother? Chuck McGill, he plays. Uh, well, he played, plays. He's still in it. Um, I won't spoil it for people. I just probably did. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I like Michael McKean. He was in, um, I mean, again, lots of things. I rewatched Friends recently and he was in a random episode. If people remember the episode where uh, Monica goes to work for the fake chocolate company that apparently tastes disgusting, he's the guy, I think it's called Mocklet, and he's the guy who's trying to sell Mocklet. He's like, so do you like chocolate? Well, this kind of tastes like it, but it has zero calories. And like, it's just the whole episode is that this chocolate tastes like shit. So yeah. Anyway, so what 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 else do you know him from? What was he kind of well known before? He this? was well. I, he he got his break in this is Spinal Tap, and he made all those movies like Best in Show and A Mighty Wind with Christopher Guest and everybody. He was at, at this point he was a, a cast member on Saturday Night Live as well. Even though he, I think he's one of the few examples of. Uh, people who were quite famous before they got on Saturday Night Live because he had been on you know, sitcom Laverne and Shirley and done Spinal Tap and then did Saturday Night Live like 20 years later. Uh, but uh, my favorite thing with Michael McKeon is him as Perry White in Smallville. Ah. Um, <laughs> I doubt anybody else is like, hey, it's Perry White. But he's also married to Annette O'Toole in, in uh, real life. So oh. what a couple. Jeez, that would be that would be fun. I'd like to be married to Annette O'Toole. Um yeah, he was also in, and a movie that we have sadly never done, and in 2022, and it's the 25th anniversary. I feel like we need to do this, Colin. That darn cat. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. What a what a movie. Uh, he was also in Jack. Oh, I love Jack. That's a great movie. Actually, it's the 25th anniversary of that next year. We could do it for there. Do you like Jack? Have you seen Jack? Uh, yeah, I think we. This is like the second or third time this year where Jack has come up. Yeah, yeah. And I think each time we're like, "Hey, we should do Jack next year." But I feel like that's one of those movies that always gets brought up on like lists of Robin Williams' worst movies yeah. or big bombs. Because wasn't it a Francis Ford Coppola movie as well? It was, like, yeah. And like everyone rips into it for being a bad movie. It's a good movie. Like I don't get if why people. Fran Drescher's in that movie. <laughs> like honestly, it's it's Francis Ford Coppola's name that people expect it to be the Godfather Apocalypse now. Pretend it's directed by, I don't know, Michael Lehman, yeah. and <laughs> you'll enjoy it. And, it's, you know, Fran Drescher's in that movie. Um, Bill Cosby maybe doesn't hold up well all these years later, but um, yeah. it's 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 kind of one of these movies I feel that will get recognition one day, like a cult sort of movie, because it's actually quite a good movie. Anyway, Jack, coming soon to the Oz Network. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we meet uh, the, this record club, uh, well, this club, basically, and this is where we hear that this band had their music played on this radio station and this is where Brendan Fraser has the idea of like, hey, this is we're going about this wrong. Rather than going to the record company, let's go to the radio station because this was in the 90s when people listened to the radio, right? And not these stupid <laughs> podcasts like they're listening to now. Kids these days don't know the Joy Radio. Do you actually, like, I actually remember like growing up how big of a deal like the radio stations were. And like, it's... Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel bad saying that they're not anymore. It's not newspapers or TV. They're not slowly dying. Like, radio is still a thing, probably more so than people thought it would be. But, like, I remember my dad, we had the one radio station would all listen to the car. My dad would always win radio competitions. And, 
they would, you know, always have these big promotions across the city. We had the thing like the Black Thunder where it's like, hey, we're in the parking lot of this store right now. Come along and get a free magazine and chocolate milk and we've got 20 copies of uh, Shaggy's new album to give away if you're the first 20 here or something <laughs> Shaggy, like that. Shaggy, Shaggy. <laughs> I was picturing myself in the mid-90s there. Who was big at the time? Um, so... Like, yeah, like, I, I remember that in the 90s, kind of that, that real radio station vibe. I'm sure it was yeah. the same for you. Yeah, no, that was what I originally wanted to do. Like, when I was growing up in the 90s, I'm like, this is the dream job. Uh, my friend and I, we, um, we, we used to call up radio stations. Like, if we did a sleepover, you know, we would call up the radio station and talk to just the overnight people. And they would talk to you for like an hour, hour and a half, tell you, like, this is, this is you know, what goes on in radio. And that was legitimately what I was preparing to do with my life. And then, uh, as you met, I had, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and she taught 69. No. Um, and then you got on the but, uh, survivor. I was in your career stalled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was killed by Ben Waterworth, Benjamin, as uh, he was known in high school. But, uh, uh, I, I had taken like the entrance exam uh, for the the broadcasting college and everything. I had a start date. And then basically at the last minute, I'm like, you know, these numbers don't look good to me. It was, <laughs> it was all about how much money you're going to make. And I, I'm, it could be different in different markets, but like Winnipeg is like a massive radio market. We have like dozens of radio stations and it just didn't look incredibly promising to make a living doing it. So I kind of backed out at the last minute and now I'm doing this just to fulfill my, my dream. But I used to win prizes too. Uh, We would, my friend and I, we would uh, come up with characters and we would call radio stations and get skits and get on the air. They would air us. And we used to have like all of our recordings of these are all the times we got on the radio. I think I remember you talking about that. Yeah, I um, I mean, I, I it's still my dream. I'm hoping to make it in radio. One day, <laughs> uh, one day you'll make it in radio <laughs> when I grow up, hopefully. But um, paid. I, I remember like getting um, I had a, a cassette player and it had the record function on it, so I'd get blank tapes and I would pretend to be a radio host. Mm-hmm. I was like ten or something like yeah, that. Yeah, me too. I found I've got like recordings on my computer because when I when I moved initially from Hobart to Queensland clearing out all my stuff and I found old cassettes and I was like, oh, what's this? And I played them. And because like, I used to record Olympic commentary, like when they had the Olympics on the radio, I had Commonwealth Games commentary. Like I just have tapes filled of old Olympics and Commonwealth Games commentary from like the early 2000s and the 90s. But I found like a tape of me as a 12-year-old pretending to be a radio host and also uh, pretending to be a sports commentator. And here I am now, basically uh, 20 years later, still pretending to be a radio host and <laughs> pretending to be a sports commentator. So times haven't changed in 20 years, but um, fun times. Maybe we'll play that on the show. Maybe if you sign up to our Patreon that hasn't existed yet, you can hear Ben Waterworth as a 12-year-old standing exactly the same as he does. As a 20 <laughs> I was sexist and racist back then too, apparently. So that's how it... Uh, how it works but yeah no this is um kind of it just it was a bit of a flashback i think to the the 90s style radio here but so they're gonna they're gonna go to the radio station they're gonna provide their demo i love how they've literally got a demo in a white box with the words written demo Uh, (laughs) that reminds me of kill phil you of course can download our recaps of that and watch it on youtube when there was in the second one where I wanted to put a bomb in a thing. So I literally I got a white container and I wrote the word <laughs> bomb on it. Because like, you want to label that. Because I didn't have any like wires. I had nothing to like make it 
uh, essentially look like a bomb. So I just got a white container and wrote the word <laughs> bomb on it. <laughs> because why not? It's like Dr. No with all the switches, like all those sort of things. Um, so they go to the radio station. Meanwhile, at the radio station, we have Joe Montana and Michael McKean having a conversation and we're going to find out, oh, no, there's going to be budget cuts. There's, there's, there's random plot lines to this movie that, again, don't really pay off, that are kind of just there. It's like, oh, no, this radio station is going to turn into easy listening. Does that really have a point in this movie? Yeah, absolutely. Does I it? mean, it's, it's, well, it's the whole reason why all the people in the radio station decide to go along with their, their kidnappers all of a sudden because they're like, hey, we're out of the job. This is our way to stick it to Milo, Michael McKeon. But I feel like Milo at the end kind of re- like, it, it's even weird. Like, we're jumping way ahead to the conclusion here when basically like him and Judd Nelson kind of screw them because they want to lip sync. But, I always feel like they're redeemed anyway. Like, I feel like they're meant to be the ultimate villains of this movie and you kind of don't get their comeuppance. And it's the same with the mm-hmm. other cop guy, the non-Ernie Hudson guy. Like, yeah. I feel like he's meant to be a an antagonist. SWAT team. Yeah, like, I don't know. This is where like, I feel like there's certain things missing which could have been. It's like, just just, just work, movie. Like, something's missing. Give us give us a layman cut. Yeah, exactly. This is even when here when they're breaking, trying to break into the radio station, right? So this is like a fortress. Oh, I love this scene. Because radio stations apparently were like Fort Knox in the 90s. Um, I've worked for radio stations and they're, I mean, they're security, but it's not quite like this. Um, but I love how like they're trying to break. This is one of those scenes I feel where they're really trying to make them dumb, right? And, mm. but this is where like it, it, like it works, but it doesn't work. Like, I like this scene too. This scene's funny. Cause like he sticks what, like his blockbuster video card or something in the slot. And he's like, what's your code? I'm not telling you my code. And it's like, my code's secret. <laughs> it's like, well, come and put it in yourself. And then they act surprised when it doesn't work. <laughs> and then he like spits soda on it to try and break it up. Like, I get it. It's funny, but like at the same time, this is very Pluto Nash to me. Like I'm watching this on my screen, going, "This is funny. I like this," but I'm not laughing. Like I feel like this got to be like it's trying to be super dumb, but it's You're not missing working. the best part though. What's the best part? Help me out here. The the best part is after it doesn't work, and Steve Buscemi is just again completely berating his brother Adam Sandler. He says, you want around the apartment all day in your fudgies. And then Adam Sandler's like, that's not true. And he starts getting like really defensive. And he goes, sure it is. I always got to tell you to put pants on when people come over. And then Adam Sandler goes, he's making this up, Chess. Like getting I really like that offended. Bit. That bit's funny. Yeah. And then he's like, you got a big mouth, Rex. <laughs> Uh, okay, that bit I, I love. That, that, that's what I was. That's what I've been doing all since yesterday. I've just constantly doing running around your apartment all day in your fudgies. <laughs> well, because I've written down here in my notes, I always got to tell you to put pants on, and I'm like, <laughs> what part of that Which, in the movie? That is me. <laughs> I don't know about you. But well, I'm not wearing I'm pants the- right now. Do you want to see? Uh- <laughs> if our doorbell rings, it's like just a minute. <laughs> Run up the stairs, get some pants, come down. <laughs> well, see, see, I I don't really do that with the pants. Like, I'll get out of bed if I like. If I'm not wearing pajama pants, I'll kind of get out of bed, walk to the kitchen, put the coffee on or something like that in my underwear and then get into the shower, right? Which is a little bit difficult now given that we live with Mallory's brother as well. So, okay, he's not around. But, like, Mallory's the worst. Like, Mallory will get into bed, right? And sometimes Mallory will just sleep in her underwear. She's not wearing any shirt, no bra or anything. She's topless. And she'll just, like, get up in the middle of the night like when I'm still working, come to the kitchen just in her underwear. (laughs) Boo's hanging out. I'm like, Mallory, you know that Jared lives here, right? And she's just like, eh. (laughs) She's like, (laughs) 
Like the other day, I think she was doing it and like Jared's door opens. Of course, she was quick to like grab something and like hide in the corner. But it's just like, if I live with my sister, I'm not walking out with my boobs out. Like, it's a good thing you don't live with Noah. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Noah's just always there. Hello, Mallory. It's good to see you again. <laughs> So now we know Mallory's the one running around the apartment all day in her fudgies. <laughs> what is a fudgy? This <laughs> is the only time I've ever heard that. That's what I said I love about this movie. I love that they just come up with words and quotes that you will never hear anywhere else. Like, this is the only time you will ever hear a phrase like, butt nut. <laughs> but you know what? It sounds great. I love it. <laughs> um, so they, they eventually get into the radio station because we meet blonde, ditzy, station worker who falls in love with Adam Sandler by basically necking him in the face. Um, She's funny in this movie. I like her. Like, she's funny. Um, She reminds me of the, and I forget her name, the the main girl in the um, Matthew Broderick Godzilla. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Who's done no other movies other than the Matthew Broderick Godzilla. The poor poor woman's uh, Leslie Mann. Because Leslie Mann was kind of... She was similar to her, but Leslie Mann went on to do things. Um, yeah, like we were watching, rewatching George of the Jungle, just like I said at the end of our last episode, we would. And Jamie's like, yeah, this is that lady from Godzilla, right? I'm like, no, yeah. <laughs> this one's funny and, and a good actress. <laughs> well, we, I think we went in Godzilla episode that uh, she was in Friends, I know, for, for at least one episode. But so was everyone else, let's be honest. But um, no, I like this woman too. I just want to go back to um, stupid girlfriend murderer woman. Um, like, was the height of fashion for blonde, attractive women in the 90s Christina Applegate in Married with Children? Because I feel like she's very Kelly Bundy. Yeah, like, yeah that, everybody in this movie is very Kelly Bundy. Yeah, and, like, I don't know, like, was Kelly Bundy the trendsetter or was there something else that Kelly Bundy went off? Because, I feel like, I thought for a moment that this was Christina Applegate. Like, is mm-hmm. this Christina Applegate? I didn't know she was in this movie. So, I like Christina Applegate. Bring Make Christina Applegate a thing again. <laughs> Don't know if you're a Christina Applegate fan. Not enough to make her a thing again. Okay, all right. Um, In the radio station, we've got Michael McKeon having a meeting with Michael Richards. Uh, So, okay, is Michael Richards the guy who's turning them into a soft rock? Like, who is Michael Richards in this movie? He's an accountant. Oh, of course he is. Uh He's basically the one who came up with the numbers to prove to them we will make more money by doing easy listening. And again, um, when he talks to the SWAT team... Sorry. Well, when they talk to this, well, first of all, you need somebody to bring a real gun into there mm. uh, and better than a SWAT team member. But he, he's got some hilarious moments. And Michael Richards, especially with the physical comedy, is good in here. But uh, with the SWAT team guy, this, this is where it actually comes up. He's an accountant because when he says, uh, who are you? Well, I was in the Merchant Marines. And then he's like, uh, oh, you're in the Marines. Perfect. Let's get him a gun. And he goes, but I was just an accountant. And then the SWAT team guy is not even listening to him. I was like, no, don't worry. Nobody's going to hold you accountable. <laughs> they met, He mentions in this movie, I'm just an accountant. And then they give him a gun, which is a joke that I don't think really lands because it takes you several views to pick up on that. But, but this is the thing. Like, I think I remember that, but this is just one of those, again, the Pluto Nash variety hour where it's like, it's it's meant to be funny, but I'm not laughing. I'm like, ah, yeah, I see it. No, not funny. Uh, don't get it. Like, I'm not laughing. Like, I see what you're doing, but not laughing. Um, I Again, I'm not a Seinfeld fan. I've never gotten into the show. And all I know Michael Richards from, so he was, was it Kramer? He was the, the yeah. yep. And, uh, and he was the racist one in that stand-up comedy thing on David Letterman or whatever it was. Um, it wasn't David Letterman, but he went on David Letterman with a, uh, an apology that didn't go down well or something like that. 
But um, I mean, he of all, I mean, the there was a Seinfeld curse for a while, right? That like not many of them mm-hmm. could do much afterwards until uh, Veep. Her name Julie Louis Dreyfus did uh, yeah the Christine show, and now she does Veep, of course. I like her; she seems nice. Um, but yeah, like does he? I'm looking through his filmography; hasn't really done much else. No. Um, a lot of failed TV shows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because like, was was that just the thing with Seinfeld actors? It was the TV shows because I know the Friends actors. It was they couldn't get in a movie, right? They like yeah. all their movies bombed. Whereas, was this the thing with Seinfeld actors? Were they a lot of them doing movies in the nineties? Yeah, uh, not movies. I, I honestly can't think of any of them that did movies at least around the time, like after Seinfeld became big. Jerry Seinfeld, of course, did nothing. I mean, he he he's the one who goes away unscathed because he just yeah. basically retired from life. Uh, but it, it was it was all TV, like I, all three of those actors, Michael Richards and uh, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and um, uh, what's the what's the guy's name? Um, yeah, him. J- Jason Alexander. Yep. Every single year they would have a new TV show that came out that would be canceled within like three weeks. And Jason, I, I knew Jason Alexander from being in Shallow How. He was the guy who had the tail that wagged. Um, oh, he was. Yeah. I forgot about that movie. Yeah. And I've seen Jerry Seinfeld live The when I saw David Letterman. He was a guest on it and he. Oh, nice. Stand up. And also on that episode, Colin Firth. So, yes. What is the deal with Colin Firth? <laughs> if I had been there a night earlier, Natalie Portman was on. What are the odds? Like You what got lucky by being delayed a day. <laughs> and when I saw um, Stephen Colbert, I got to see Bernie Sanders. Uh, <laughs> so, but Eddie, <laughs> Not Bernie Mac? No, well, because they advertised Eddie Redmayne was on that episode as well. So I'm like, oh, cool, Eddie Redmayne, I don't mind him. But it was a pre-taped thing. So, like, I remember, like, they kind of cut to it and Stephen Colbert comes out on stage and is like, I bet you all thought you were going to see him. Well... He wasn't available to come into the studio tonight. We recorded this earlier, so we're going to pretend that it was live. So every time I watch Stephen Colbert, and when he has an audience, obviously he doesn't at the moment, and whenever they never show the crowd, I always assume that that was a pre-recorded one to make it seem like that was live. Because <laughs> um, I'm like, oh, yeah. But that was actually like a week after Donald Trump got elected, so everyone was like on weird mode. So when Bernie Sanders came out, everybody like stood up and started going, Bernie, Bernie, and I'm going, ha-ha. Yeah, it's that old guy that Hillary Clinton beat. <laughs> I had no clue who he was at the time. So, anyway. Politics like I thought it was old. Bernie Mac. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought it was the town of Bernie in Tasmania. Um, basically, this is the part where they accidentally hold the radio station up. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, moments where they kind of, I guess, sneak in, go straight into Joe Montagna. I love just Joe Montagna just so calm here and just basically puts them yeah. on air. Um, and this then leads to them holding up uh, the station with fake guns. Uh, we see dumb murderer girlfriend hearing them on radio. And, like, I love how she's all like, oh, my God, you got a record contract and basically moves. And then she hears them on radio and she's just like, and just walks yeah. off. Like, isn't this what you want? <laughs> For him, oh God, I'm choking on myself there. Uh, for him to make it, she makes me so angry that I choke. Um <laughs> And basically, this is where now they accidentally hold up the radio station. So I might cap it there because um, this is the thing with this movie. It kind of just, I feel, uh, famous last words. We can get this over and done quickly. But there's, you know, <laughs> the, the, there's three parts of this movie, isn't there? Like most movies. Yeah. But um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nobody had tried the three-act structure before Michael Lehman did it with airheads. <laughs> Groundbreaking airheads really is. But uh, anyway, this is the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, I like the um, the opening Mullet. sequence where he's sneaking in um, <laughs> to the, the Jimmy Wing meeting or whatever. Uh, those guys, I'm I'm surprised. Are you not hearing me? 
I am hearing you. What, my two jokes that died? And you're like, are you not hearing me? Oh, okay. Me? <laughs> <laughs> you were making jokes. <laughs> you, said, you said, I like that. And you pause. I said, mullet. I got no reaction. And then you were like, Jimmy Wing. And I'm like, Jimmy Wang. And then you're like, are you hearing me? Is this thing on? Like, shouldn't that be me doing that? <laughs> testing. Testing. Is this thing on? <laughs> That's what you should be doing right now with your jokes bombing. So wow. Bad. Jimmy Wang and I like the mullet. Hello? Hello? Testing. Hello? Where's the cricket sound effect? Can we insert one of those here? We, we, we can't afford them. We haven't had no Patreons yet. <laughs> didn't, didn't, didn't Tina Western fan say she would sign up as a patron? Was that yeah. her? It was her. Yeah, it was. Or if him. we start offering Damn. webcam access to Ben's Ooh. apartment, Noah's going to sign up pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're like, you, you're talking uh, about, you know, the idea of, of releasing these as video episodes down the line mm-hmm. when you can get yourself a webcam and we can see you without pants on. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, down. that'll drive in the patrons. <laughs> I'll, 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 we'll do a new tier, like uh, $5 a month, Colin does these pantless. $10 a month, Ben does them shirtless. <laughs> $15 a month, random appearance by Mallory. <laughs> $20 a month, random appearance by Jamie. <laughs> and we'll give away Noah for free. Oh, no, no. That, that you, we have to pay people to win Noah. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll give you a refund uh, <laughs> if you take Noah. But yeah, like him sneaking into the Jimmy Wing meeting, um, it, it, especially that one part, I'm surprised that you didn't like that better where the guys come out with all the Dr. Seuss hats and then the man, because it was the manager who was like, if you wet yourself, just go with it. Like, it's just so absurd. This movie does uh, a nail, I guess, a lot of the, uh, uh, what will be the word? the superficiality of the music industry. And, and I think that's probably what you're talking about where it starts going somewhere with satire, but doesn't totally follow through with it. But I like the little moments like that where the managers are saying, just wet yourself. It'll be wild and crazy. <laughs> Which, um, but you're right. Oh, like just quickly jump in there. Like it, it, like it feels like they're trying to go for it, but I just, I, we did a movie recently, didn't we? Where it was kind of like, I feel like they're going for satire, but it doesn't really quite work. What was that? Yeah. Movie I don't remember. We, um, did, we didn't even remember. We did ghost this year. People. What was the one we did exactly. last week? Gorge of the jingle. What was that? Gorge of the Jangle. Gorge, gorge of the Jangle. Gorge, gorge of the Jangle. What was that thing you butchered last week too? Oh, I can't even sure you called I said five minutes ago. Uh, uh, Colin, Brad, Brad, Bradley Frangin or something like that. Yeah. Gay sex with Dom, Tom Cruise. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, the the, uh, the characters, I will agree with you on one thing that's just random. Their professions. Uh, why does Steve Buscemi work at a toy store? Because you need to get toy guns into the movie. Why does Adam Sandler clean pools? Because you need a reason for the SWAT team guy to hate him because his wife left him for a pool cleaner. Uh, it does, now that I think about it, it does make Brendan Fraser look a lot lazier. Because, I mean, I'm kind of following the idea that he's just out there constantly you know, trying to get noticed, talking to managers and everything. But he he's talking the game about I'm talking to managers and everything. But if his tactic is I'm going to sneak in dressed in a uniform and that's how he spends his days, then, yeah, he is kind of lazy. Yeah. Uh, but he's the only one without a job. I mean, Steve Buscemi and Adam Sandler, they have jobs at least. So I really do struggle now to feel for <laughs> Brendan Fraser. He, he is a little bit lazy. Uh, but in a way, I kind of like that introduction where he's just sitting on the couch and – air guitaring or whatever and his girlfriend's you know making all the money uh and the way that he sort of tells the story to her about it's like i had a big meeting today and she's like oh yeah really and he's like, yeah we talked about solicitation <laughs> like that's all i can say because that's the only big word he heard 
Um, the, uh, the 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 one line when they start uh, uh, coming up with the guns, uh, the idea of using the guns, and Adam Sandler, who is the dumbest one in the movie, who's the only one trying to talk them out of it, uh, and he's he's talking about uh, you know why they shouldn't do this, and he drops a line says, "Remember that fat kid on hard copy with the toy gun? The cops zapped him with a taser so hard that he went bald." This <laughs> is like a completely meaningless monologue, but great. Uh, and then they start talking about the balls or something like that, which uh, maybe they're saying <laughs> they talking about the balls. <laughs> his balls went bald or That's something. That's Jamie was in the room, right? And Jamie's like, oh, balls. Balls. Oh, Brendan Fraser's bulge. All right. Uh, <laughs> hey, there's another title for a podcast. Welcome to Brendan <laughs> Fraser's Balls. Brendan Fraser's Bulge? <laughs> yeah. Bulge. Uh, I want to mention balls. Uh, balls and balls. Joe Montaigne, I think the idea is that he discovered the, the band that everybody talks about in this movie, which you see at the nightclub, the Sons of Thunder. Uh, which is a real band. I'm trying to find what their name is here. Uh, I didn't listen to them, but I, I, I realized in research that the Galactic Cowboys. Ah, so love them. They are the band that appears as the Th- Sons of Thunder. And it is also funny that they're wearing costumes here too, because I don't know if that was another 90s thing. I mean, this is you know maybe a little bit before my, my time. I mean, it's my time that I was able to watch it, but I don't know all the trends of 1993, 1994. Uh, it was this a thing where they're wearing tutus? This is just something that bands did because we had the guys in the Dr. Seuss hats. Later on, we have Pip wearing the Zorro costume. <laughs> I didn't quite understand what the tutu is for. Um, but uh, yeah, the Sons of Thunder, they, they mentioned also the, the name of their album, which I kind of like, Scrambly Eggs and Wobbly Legs. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, not, just be funnier, right? But uh, <laughs> I like Scrambly Eggs and Wobbly Legs. My favorite is the run around the apartment. You're fudgies just because I've never heard it referred to as fudgies before. And it's the way Adam Sandler just freaks out. It's like, he's making this up. Like he's getting really <laughs> upset about it, which he also does. This this is that Adam Sandler you talk about. The, he's subdued, but we have these moments. Like when it takes his card, when they're trying to break in the door. Oh, the thing took my card. He's just totally <laughs> that bit, spazzing yeah. up. I laughed at that bit, yeah. Uh, and then Steve Buscemi where he's like, here, I know what to do. And he's blowing his his big gulp inside the thing. Brandon Fraser's like, what are you doing, MacGyver? <laughs> and then just the fact that Steve Buscemi thinks that this is going to work too. Uh, the way that they kind of get in the door, I guess, is something kind of clever because uh, Adam Sandler and Steve Buscemi are climbing up. And then when the, the secretary girl knocks out, uh, or I guess Steve Buscemi and Brandon Fraser are, when the secretary girl knocks out Adam Sandler, they just sort of wait to drop the bag in there. So they do something clever to break into this radio station. Uh, maybe the, the only smart thing that they do in this movie. Uh, th- these toy guns, I mean, would anybody have sold these guns anywhere ever? Uh, 1990s America, sure. This is apparently offensive even in 1990s America, but <laughs> I'm looking at these things, I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen a toy like that. Uh, and where do I get co- them? <laughs> <laughs> I have a plan to get us on the air, Ben. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Winnipeg, KWXY with Colin and Ben. <laughs> Uh, Michael Richards, I think he's one of the, the, the scene stealers of this movie. I think everybody, I said, other than the girlfriend, other than Miss Drunk Driver Murderer, everybody in this movie has at least one really funny moment. But like Michael Richards, I don't think there's one moment he's not funny in this movie. His introduction, where he's talking to Michael McKeon, and Michael McKeon's basically laying out the plan. Okay, we're going to go easy listening, you know, on Monday. I'm going to need you in here because we're going to be cutting a lot of people. And he says, oh, I've, I've sort of got an appointment tomorrow. I was like, are you serious? And he goes, I've had this itching. <laughs> and then he just pauses like, 
I mean, it could be hemorrhoids. I don't know <laughs> how calm he's talking about hemorrhoids. It's like, I, I need to get some type of cream or something for it. <laughs> his boss, Michael McKeon, guilts him into coming in the next day. Yeah, Michael Richards, you don't, do you like Michael Richards in this movie at least? Ah, oh, he's, he's fine. It's, it's, it's like, it's, I just don't see his point. Like, it's kind of just Chris Farley. It's like, yeah, I mean, they're fine. They're funny. I get just, why they're there. But, like, why are they there? I mean, you need hostages. You need hostages that are going to be slightly amusing. Well, um, I mean, the blonde non-Godzilla woman is kind of amusing. <laughs> so just her. That's the only one we want in the movie. <laughs> David Arquette. Blonde. <laughs> Milo. Michael McKeon. So yeah. everybody but Michael Richards. Yeah. yeah. No, that racist. Go hang out with Noah. <laughs> I'm this would be Noah's racism. favorite character. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess the only other thing I want to uh, throw out here that uh, we haven't talked about is when, when they do take him hostage, I, I, I kind of would like to know more of the backstory. I'm not saying we need a director's cut of this in all seriousness, but th- they do lay out a bit of character, I guess, with Joe Montana between him and Michael McKeon that's interesting where they're totally at odds and you get that because uh, he even says something like I'm the only reason the station has ratings and Michael McKeon's not saying hey you're gonna be out of the job too but when he decides to turn the microphone on them after they broke in the station and Michael McKeon comes in is like you put these guys on the air and he's like I get six minutes of talk time per hour how do you care how I spend it like I don't know if he's supposed to be like some you know really edgy Howard Stern type guy but mm. it's at least a little bit intriguing to me that there's some type of background where he's he's either a problem talent to deal with or he's just this real rebel radio guy or whatever. Uh, they drop the phrase dick smoke in here. Uh, <laughs> we're just sit down or pipe down dick smoke or something like that. Uh, but one, one of the many dicks mentioned in this movie. Uh, and Brandon Frazier gives another one of my favorite, like really ridiculous PG insults where after they pulled the guns, Michael McKeon's like, hey, you know, we're, we're all rock and rollers here, guy. And then Brandon Frazier gets like really agitated. Like, you look like half a butt puppet. <laughs> <laughs> the way he's saying it is almost like he's coming up with this off the top of his head. I'm like, I've never heard butt puppet before. Brilliant. Love it. <laughs> Everybody's going to be a butt puppet from this day forward. Cast me your butt puppet, giddy. <laughs> dick smoke. <laughs> Remy, There's dick so smoke, many giddy. good little... <laughs> I, I love all these. Uh, uh, did, are you getting them rounding up everybody else or just when they take him hostage? Uh, just when they take him hostage, I think. Okay, I'll, I'll let you move on as they introduce all the other characters around the office here. Well, uh, Alan Co- Alan Covert is the name of the other cop who's in every like Adam mm-hmm. Sandler movie. Uh, just wanted to make his sure. biggest role would prob would it be the wedding singer? Um. Uh, yeah, I mean he had a pretty prominent because I can't place him. I can't. I can't place who he played in any of the other movies. Big but Daddy, I know he who was he in is. a gay couple. Um, like he was Adam Sandler's gay friends in that. Um, in uh, one of them, he was like a fat guy. Was that Mr. Deeds? <laughs> no, I think Mr. Deeds. He was the um, the creepy guy who was like in love with Winona Ryder, like the other reporter who basically. Um, why do we always mention Winona Ryder recently? What's happening? <laughs> She's like in everything on these episodes. <gasps> Screw you, How to Make an American Quilt. Um, like you, she's just popping up everywhere. You mentioned it already in this episode. Um, yeah, it's been a while since I've seen The Wedding Singer, but he, yeah, was like one of the friends in that, wasn't he? Uh, he's, mm-hmm. I mean, he's literally in every single Adam Sandler movie. Every single movie. one. So, yeah. like, <laughs> I mean, take your pick. 
so is he like what is his background was he somebody who worked on saturday night live or is he just a friend of adam sandler's i'm guessing just a friend his first credited role was a bartender on going overboard adam sandler's first movie so (laughs) i don't know maybe they were in school together or something and they just yeah it's just weird that we're we're in like the beginning of adam sandler's movie career i mean this is his first you know proper starring role and then after this he'd have his first like full starring role in billy madison and Adam Sandler had enough clout in Hollywood where he could say, I want to put my friend in this role. It's Maybe. just, it seems weird. Well, okay. I'm seeing here that uh, they met while they studied at New York University where they studied theater. So there you go, people. Adam Sandler did study theater. If you're thinking he didn't do anything, but um, <laughs> Shakespeare. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he does Shakespeare and Billy Madison. <laughs> to be or not to be. That's like the one time I think I first discovered Shakespeare was through Adam Sandler and Billy Madison. <laughs> Um, Bradley Whitford's in that too. He's the antagonist. Do you like Billy Madison? Are you a fan of that movie? Oh, love Billy Madison. Great movie. <laughs> Stop looking at me, Swan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. Oh, so many quotes. But yeah, so they were classmates. That's how they knew each other. Uh, it says here, Covert has served as a performer, writer, and or producer for almost every film and comedy album Sandler has ever released. So there. He also cleans it. his pool. He does. That sounds wrong in some ways. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so, uh, we I mean, he's only a very small role in this movie. But, yeah, we meet the other, the hostages, I guess. I like uh, the guy here. I've got his name up. Where is it? Thank you very much. Uh, Reggie Cathy, uh, mm. who was in the same year. He was in The Mask. But uh, he went on to be a prominent guy in House of Cards. He was Freddy in House of Cards. Uh, but he's also one of these guys who's in lots of things. If you look at his filmography, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember mm-hmm. him from that. I remember him from that. I think, was he not in a superhero movie? Um, uh, it says Fantastic Four, the 2015's uh, Fantastic Four. <laughs> well, was that really either <sighs> that a superhero classic. movie or a movie? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, he's in a movie called Nasty Baby. Uh, coming soon to the Oz Network, Nasty Baby. So he was the ba- homeless man in American Psycho. Ah, oh, of course he was. That, that's who he is. He's kind of playing the atypical black character, right? Like, basically, like, hey, man, if this happens to the brother, it's this blah, 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 blah. Like, what a 1990... Yeah, 1994, right? Well, I mean, he had Airheads, The Mask, Clear and Present Danger all in one year. Yeah, that was quite he, the summer for him. And then he went on to play Homeless Man in American Psycho. Yeah, in American Third Psycho. Watch, of course he was. He was in one of the worst episodes of Third Watch. He played the preacher guy. I remember that now. That was a terrible episode. Oh, all right. We, we don't like him anymore. No. <laughs> but Freddy in House of Cards. We like Freddy in House of Cards. Um, so he gets hostage with me, David Arquette, because <laughs> why not? <laughs> David Arquette. Was there even a thing in 1940? He met no. Courtney Cox at that point. No, I, this movie's two years before Scream even comes out. And I remember at the time Scream came out, I hadn't even heard of him. And I don't think anybody had heard of him. So, uh, complete unknown at this point. He was a professional wrestler where he won a, won a world yeah, okay, so WC, I mean, WCW doesn't count, right? F- funny story. Um, I, I actually just rewatched this. I subscribed to the WWE Network and I'll go back and watch old stuff. Uh, in 2000, they did a gimmick because there was a movie he starred in called Ready to Rumble, which WCW produced and, you know, uh, su- supplied some of their talent for. David Arquette was promoting that movie and they came up with an idea where David Arquette would win the world title, <laughs> which 
is apparently thought of as like the worst thing that ever happened in professional wrestling. But if you go back and watch it, it is quite funny because David Arquette is appearing where he's not supposed to be in the match, but he's dressed in a cape like he's a superhero. Every time he tries to do something, he'll get hit with like an elbow. Somebody will be just bringing their arm back and they'll accidentally hit him in the face and he'll be knocked out. Like it's done completely comically. He by fluke wins the world title and then starts appearing on TV where he's like talking like he's Ric Flair or something. And Courtney Cox is there. He's like, hey, baby, I'm the world champion. Like, You're not a wrestler, David. He's like, come on, I'm the champion of the world. It's actually kind of funny if you go back and watch it. Well, I'm looking here. This year, there was a documentary release called You Cannot Kill David Arquette, which is a documentary following David Arquette attempting to return to wrestling after his <laughs> acting career has stalled. Is that not the <laughs> plot of what was the Joaquin Phoenix one he did when he became a rapper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not there or I'm not here or whatever it was called. Um, that kind of sounds interesting. <laughs> I, I want to do David Arquette month now. <laughs> I, I used to hate the WCW. That's when I liked wrestling. And then, you know, that was a big war, right? And my dad used to mm-hmm. get WCW videos out at the same time. And I'm like, Ugh, I'm not watching WCW. I only watched WWF at the time. It was WWF. So, yeah. Coming soon. Wrestling Wars to the old... <laughs> network um so yes uh, they're, they're holding all these hostages i like it when they go to play their um their tape it's not even on a tape tape it's on like a the real thing real to real yeah uh they're called the lone rangers the one joke <laughs> that i did like in this movie the ongoing joke was the, the lone rangers you can't pluralize that shouldn't you be the three rangers and they're like what what do you mean like that's the one bit where they're like dumb and i'm laughing like and they're like i don't follow what are you saying but it does contradict especially brendan fraser's character who's supposed to be like president of the math club or something yeah. and meanwhile they're like you there's three of you you can't exactly be lone can you i was like you lost me it, it's funny but until you find out that like brendan fraser is way smarter than that yeah, at what point does he go dumb? Is it when he meets murderer woman or is it does he start smoking pot? Like, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, um, it's all an act. The thing, though, that I think would make this movie funnier is, like, they should be awful, but they're kind of not awful because when you hear their music, they're kind of like, okay. It's good. It's kind of good. But, like, I think that's what would make it funny is if, like, they were terrible and then they get signed to this record contract and then they realise that they're terrible. Well, that shit happens. Too bad. And then I mean, people just start liking. Like, I feel that is the comedy in this movie. But like, That's what com- I feel like works so well in Bill and Ted Face the Music is that they learned how to play instruments. They're very talented musicians, but their music is awful. Yeah. And that even in that movie, they address the fact of, hey, it's been thousands of years. Maybe these guys weren't famous for their music. Well, what do we know? Uh, so it would be an interesting idea if it, they were completely bad. But I mean, it's a great song on the soundtrack, so I'm okay yeah. with it. Well, I mean, the one that kind of weirdly came to my mind then was Step Brothers, right? Like, I mean, they're terrible, but like at the end, the final scene when kind of they're at the Catalina wine mixer and then Will Ferrell starts doing the time to say goodbye. <laughs> like, it's, it's terrible, but everyone's like, oh, wow. We're, like, yeah. it's just, they play it for last because it's so bad it's actually good. Or the Eurovision movie. Yes, exactly. Boy Town. Like, you know, mm-hmm. these are these things that kind of the humour is in, the fact that it's terrible, but people are actually starting to get the terribleness and like it. Like, I feel the fact that they're actually quite good takes away from the humor of this. It's like, no, they should be shit. Um, but so the the tape gets burnt because they're smoking and then they go to run and they leave. The one bit I like with Adam Sandler here too is when he like leaves the building and there's a cop and he's kind of like playing, like he moves and the cop moves, moves, moves. And then he starts dancing to try to like hide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does the robot. Yeah. <laughs> so he starts doing the robot. Um, 
But like, that's a bit funny. But like, you know, the ineptness of the cops, like, are we really led to believe that in 1990s Los Angeles that they wouldn't just shoot them as soon as they walk out the door? I mean, or is this meant oh. to be the thing because of like when they start chanting Rodney King later, is this because they're being cautious because of everything that happened with that? Like, play that up. Yeah. But I feel like you've got this. The cops are so terrible in this movie. You have them surrounded. You literally let them walk out and have a conversation with you and walk back in. Like, this isn't happening. Like, there's no way this is happening. <laughs> I'm not saying that a movie called Airheads needs to be that plausible, but you really do question, especially today's day and age, and you think about the fact that this today's day and age is really no different than early to mid-90s Los Angeles. Um, they're going out there not only running around, but they're holding guns up to police officers. Yeah. And the police officers aren't returning fire. No warning shots, nothing. Uh, they are very loose with their protocol in this movie. And all it would really take is one line of them saying, you know, with all that's been going on with Rodney King and everything like that, we got to be really cautious because the media is here. Yeah. It takes five seconds out of the movie and it makes more sense. Again, police academy it up a little bit, make it a bit more satirical or something like that. Like, again, oh God, he's talking about it again. And we're not even there yet. Dudley do right. Kind of like, no. it, it plays up to the fact that you were watching a dumb kid satire, like goofy comedy with the RCMP, right? Like that's what it's playing up to. Whereas this, it's like, play it up to a little bit. Make the cops deliberately goofy for a reason or something like that. Um, so we've got Michael Richards, meanwhile, in the vent. I know why you like him so much in this movie, because he half catches fire. <laughs> <laughs> his arms on fire. That's kind of funny though, like when he's like holding up a lighter to the thing that says like flammable on it. Yeah. Um, and he's like falling around and everything. I mean, another thing too with this, again, with this movie not knowing what it, what it's meant to be, like the stakes of this movie, I don't really feel for the hostages because two minutes into them being held hostage, they're kind of just laughing with the people, you know, even freaking Michael McKeon is kind of just like, a, oh, okay, well, are there any stakes to them holding it, holding them hostage? I don't know. But I do like the bit where they're in the 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 break room and it's kind of like everyone on the floor it's like oh can i sit on the chair just because you know i i can't remember what she says and then michael kidd's like well no if she gets to sit in the chair i get to sit on the chair that's not fair yeah and then he's like no everyone on the chair except for you you can stay on the floor yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of funny um ernie hudson shows up there he is good on you ernie i like ernie hudson is he still alive ernie hudson probably not now that i've said that but well He's is he going to be in the new Ghostbusters movie? I think, I, yeah. I, I, I yeah, all of them. Okay. Except for Harold Ramis. Uh, he's 74, Ernie Hudson. Good for you for being 74. Ernie Hudson. He was in Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2 and Beverly Hills Chihuahua 3. <laughs> wow, his career's really gone well, hasn't it? <laughs> you know what movie he was in that uh, I recently watched that um, I, I would have thought this would be one of my 90s nostalgia things where it's like, oh, I love this movie. And then you rewatch and you're like, this is so going on bad movie month is Congo. You remember oh, Congo? Congo. Dylan, Dylan McDermott's in there. Not Dylan McDermott, or, Dylan Walsh. Dylan Walsh. Yeah, Sorry. Walsh, yeah. Yeah, no, that well, is Dylan. a bad movie. Rewatch it. It is laughably bad. We used to talk about that a lot on Nip Tuck because, you know, we talk about the failed movie careers of our Nip Tuck actors and we would always bring up Congo. And I remember, I think I read most of the book as a kid because I bought Jurassic Park in novel form and it was a double novel, like a double Michael Crichton novel. So you had Jurassic mm. Park in one half and Congo in the other. So, yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it. But, uh, you know, the Dylan Walsh connection draws me into that. So, And Laura Linney's in it as well. Tim Curry's in it. God, mm-hmm. what's going on with this movie? Frank Welker's in it. Uh, I don't know who that is, but his name is on the list that I'm reading. Um, 
so yeah, they're, they're all held hostage. Oh, Chris Farley for the first time. There he is. Uh, I do like his introduction when he kind of like comes on the screen and he's got that like, like I, I, I really wasn't of age to know much about Chris Farley. I knew him in Billy Madison. Um, I kind of knew briefly about him, but he had, he had passed away before I ever kind of really gone and watched him on Saturday Night Live. Like the only time I ever really watched Saturday Night Live was in the early 2000s when I had cable and, you know, Jimmy Fallon was on it, still Will Ferrell, Tina Fey, they were still on it back then. But um, so I never really knew who he was much. I've gone back and watched a lot about him and knew he was meant to be Shrek and kind of all He seems like a genuinely funny. It's kind of like John Candy. It's like I knew yeah. more about the sad fact that he was dead more so than who he was and how esteemed he was. But again, I don't dislike Chris Farley in this movie. I just think he's kind of pointless. But I guess at the end of the day, as an Adam Sandler fan, I mean, is Rob Schneider really needed in every single movie? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's the name. And was he a really big deal in 94 or was he only just starting to become a big deal? No, I, I don't know how big Saturday Night Like, this is around the time that I discovered Saturday Night Live because I was old enough to stay up late on a weekend to watch it. Uh, and he was, like, Chris Farley was my favorite thing that I saw on Saturday Night Live. I don't know how big he was or even how big Saturday Night Live was at the time. Like, was it super popular? Look back now in that era, probably produced the most talent because you had Mike Myers and uh, Chris Farley, Adam Sandler, Rob Schneider, Dana Carvey, Chris Rock. Uh, but uh, whether or not he was famous outside of that, I mean, because I think even when Tommy Boy comes out a year later, it wasn't like it was such a big deal. Oh, Chris Farley, after Tommy Boy comes out, Chris Farley suddenly like a massive movie star, but not like, at the time where anybody thought anything other than, oh, isn't that that fat guy from Saturday Night Live? He, before this, was in Wayne's World, Wayne's World 2, and Coneheads. Everyone in this movie, I swear, is in Coneheads. <laughs> like, literally everyone I've looked at this film. You would think it's produced by Lauren, you'd think it's produced by Lauren Michaels, but, like, Lauren Michaels has nothing to do with this movie. I have not seen Coneheads in a long time. Uh, like I, I, I have an issue with Coneheads. Um, summer of 93, I so badly wanted to see Jurassic Park. And several times my mom gave us money to go see a movie. And every single time I'm like, let's see Jurassic Park. My brother and sister didn't want to see it. And I remember whatever it was, one of the times where they denied me Jurassic Park, we saw Coneheads. And I'm like, this movie is so stupid. We could be watching Jurassic Park. What? I mean, what a lineup of people in this movie, though. Dan Aykroyd, Jane Curtin, Michael McKean, David Spade, Sinbad, Chris Farley, Michael Richards is in it, Adam Sandler's in it, Jason Alexander, Drew Carey's in it, Ellen DeGeneres is in it. Uh, Jonathan Penner is in it. <laughs> what? <laughs> John Levitz, Tom Arnold. Jo- Jonathan Penner is in Airheads. Uh, Coneheads, you mean? Cone- the other two. Coneheads. <laughs> yes. Like, wow. Like, Academy Award nominated Jonathan Penner. Let's not forget. Not for Coneheads. <laughs> he wrote something, I believe. Anyway, um, this is why these go along. We're getting sidetracked. Chris Farley shows up. Uh, I do love the bit where it's like, hey, go find my girlfriend because the tape and the photo that they give is like her in like a bikini with a bum hanging out. And I'm like Chris Farley looking at the photo like going, whoa, wow. Um, he says that there's a line he says at one point um, where he, it's I think it's exactly the same line as he says in Billy Madison. He's like, fine, great, grand or something like that Like as he's walking off. I don't know if that's just a Chris Farley thing he says in every single movie or something like that. There's a, there's a line. I love it when like Adam Sandler's like getting to know these people. Um, and like at one point he's like, hi, <gasps> my name's Pip or something like that. And is he the one who's like talking to uh, Reggie Cathy? And he says like, why don't black people like me? 
Is that, is no, that's what he's talking to Yvonne. Oh, is that what he's yeah. talking to Yvonne? I just love that bit. And she like looks at him. It's like I listen to this music. I listen to that. And the, but he is that when he talks to Reggie Carter at one point. He's like, "Hey, man, like, great. I I love public domain and like I love this." He's like trying to like really. Yeah, he's trying get, to relate to him. Yeah, and yeah. then uh, he's uh, and then he's like, "Why are you talking to me?" And he says, later on, he says something like um, something that Adam Sandler says. And he's like, "What is that? Some type of honky slang, cracker no, slang?" Yeah, no, cracker slang. Yeah. But like, yeah. I just like I go back to that point. Like Reggie Carter, like that type of character doesn't hold up well all these years later. Like it's such a '90s thing. Like let's have the standard stereotypical black character who's just you know complaining about being black essentially. But, like, but then I mean the flip side of it, you have Yvonne, and this is why I love the scene with Yvonne to counter that first one because when Adam Sandler's like, "Why don't black people like me?" and she's like. Uh, I don't really know you. I can't say. And he's like, you know, I, I understand how hard it is to be black. I mean, you know, w- w- when you go into a store and everybody there is just looking at you, like going to steal something, you're like, I just want to buy something. And then she's like, I'm sorry, this never happened to me before. Does that happen to you? And he's like, what? Huh? Uh, no, I'm just saying it would be really bad if it did. huh? <laughs> Okay, I get that. I, I like Yvonne too. Like, I like when we see her playing. Isn't that what was those game, game genie? It was Game Genie. Is that what it was called? Yeah, I think yeah. We, I think they were called something different in Australia. I feel. Um, I want to say they were called the Lynx or something like that. Like they were called something very weird. But um, yeah, I like her. The brief time we see her. Uh, so yeah, they basically the the whole plot of this movie becomes they need to get the tape. They will give up essentially when their song can get played on the radio because their reel-to-reel has been destroyed. They've got to go find the tape and stupid murderer woman has destroyed the tape by throwing it out of the door of the car, basically, and this will become a thing. A dog pisses on it and all that kind of stuff. Um, I also don't understand like, with Chris Farley, like, is this just a thing that everything he's in, everyone's got to laugh about him being fat because you've got these guys behind yeah, the they- police tape who are like, oh, what are you doing, bro? You're fat. Yeah, they mentioned something about his belt size or whatever. And yeah. then Chris Farley sort of laughs along with them. I was like, ha, 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 ha guys. But this is this is why like I would love to go back and really appreciate Chris Farley more because he's he's obviously got a very distinct style. He's like an Adam Sandler. He's like a Jim Carrey. Like, he's kind of the mm-hmm. same in everything, right? And, like, he's kind of got the way he kind of does that with his head, like when he's kind of laughing at it and he kind of snaps his head to the side and he's, his yeah. face goes from, like, humorous to like deadpan in seconds and, and he just, has like those big erratic hand gestures yeah. he always does like everything's big hand gestures yeah and like because i mean again like that's like i was saying like that saying when he's like great grand fantastic whatever like he does that in billy madison and from what i have seen him in he's like kind of the same in everything he would have been a really yeah. great shrek like not to take away from mike myers mike myers is shrek like he's fantastic but from what i've heard of the clips of chris farley like it actually wasn't that bad so it's kind of one of those things where people are like, oh, we dodged a bullet. I'm glad we got Mike Myers. But if we had not known any different, like, and we had Chris Farley, like, I'm sure Shrek still would have been Shrek. Why am I bringing up Shrek? I mean, imagine, imagine the love guru with Chris Farley. <laughs> yeah, hey, don't, we're doing that next year for Bad Movie Month, aren't we? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> like, there's a movie with an underrated cast. Like, Mike Myers is in it. Like, Steve Colbert's in it. John Oliver's in that movie. Justin Timberlake. I love, I absolutely love that. How do you not love a movie which has the Toronto Maple Leafs winning a Stanley Cup? <laughs> We're going to get into it when we get to Dudley Do Right next week, which I haven't seen yet, so maybe I'll be wrong. But <laughs> The Love Guru is a movie that I've genuinely never understood the hate for it. Like, I genuinely am like, this is as funny and almost yeah. as on the same page as Austin Powers. Why do people hate on this so much? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well... <laughs> Wait till next year. <laughs> I love, like, John Oliver. Like, I 
I swear it's never been mentioned on his show that he was in that, but he's been doing this ongoing um, joke where he's been bagging out a town. I think it's in Vermont or Connecticut or something like that. And basically this town started fighting back. And then one they, he showed like a bunch of YouTube clips of these people going like, hey, why? I think the town's called Danbury or something. And on one of the clips, like this guy on YouTube is basically like, this is a guy who was in the love guru. <laughs> so long story short, basically, the mayor of this town was like, screw you, John Oliver. We're going to name our sewage factory after you. We're going to call it the John Oliver like poo plant or something. <laughs> it was revealed that it was a joke. But then John Oliver got offended. It was like, hey, no, I want you to name the poo plant after me. Like I will donate $50,000 to your town's charities if you do this. So in order to like do it and basically they started, I think it was a local hockey team of this city or this town started selling t-shirts with the name of John Oliver's character from the love guru on it um, to like raise money to help John Oliver get there and do this. Long story short, they named it. They named the poo plan after him. John Oliver went there for the opening of it. It was really funny, but I want to get one of the, because I think his character's name in the love guru is like Dick something. Um, So I love John Oliver. Anyway, Dick smoke. Possibly. That sounds like it could be it. Um, the Toronto Maple Leafs win a Stanley Cup, Colin. It should be your favourite movie. right? It's fiction, but it's, it looks realistic. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> I can't wait to Dudley do right next week. Um, how do we even get on the topic of, of them? Oh, Chris Farley, Shrek. We went on a tangent somehow. Um, we. <laughs> we, Ben. <laughs> Uh, Chris Farley's got to go downtown LA to find a blonde woman basically based on one photo of her ass. That's a pretty easy thing to do, sure. Well, he even when he shows up, it's kind of funny too because he's like, blonde and something tight. <laughs> he's looking at everybody, yeah. Um, the, the SWAT guy turns up, talk about pointless. Here he is. Um, one thing I hate about this movie, it's what I hate about so many movies when they come to portraying the media and like the everyone's behind the police line, right? As soon as the media shows up, get those guys back. They're not doing anything wrong. They are behind the police tape doing exactly what the general public is doing. Are you telling the general public to move back? No. So don't tell the media to do it just because you hate the media. Screw you, movie makers. Anyway, um, I did media <laughs> ethics for like a week in Adelaide and we got taught all the ins and outs of what police can and can't say to us. So I'm well in tune with the cops, with the law. <laughs> <laughs> No one tells Obviously, they haven't listened to the Oz Network lately. No. <laughs> <laughs> we had a couple incriminating statements on here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so they get the. I love this is where they kind of are raiding the um, the radio station again. Very nineties because like CDs are cool. Wow, we get CDs. We get concert tickets. We've got T-shirts. Like all the things that you loved getting in the nineties from radio stations. Right nowadays, you win a CD. Ugh, I don't want to win a CD. Like why I've got to store it somewhere. Yeah, I know, like on a right? shelf. This is where Joe Montana, I think, kind of starts to really fall for them because this is where like Brendan Fraser starts playing like music and then everyone out in the parking lot listening to this radio station, they're all like, Yeah, great music. Uh they end up being on TV with the most snarky news reader ever. She's like, Oh, a bunch of failed rock stars are holding up a radio station. Urban Which, white males. I kind of almost agree with her though. <laughs> like I mean, <laughs> But I feel, think about this, 2020, that's how they would be covered. It would be like, oh, white men complaining that they don't have anything given to them in the world. Like, this is not going down this way in 2020. This station has been raided. These guys aren't heroes. These are like idiots that people are going to be complaining about. Um, And really all that happens in this part of the movie is they make crazy demands. Uh, Mm -hmm. We learn that there's going to be soft rock. 
Um, basically, the girlfriend gets the tape found out. We meet uh, White Zombie. Uh, Rob Zombie's there himself. He gets his nipple ring war- ripped out when Chris Farley finds him. Did, did you? The, the apparently, according to the trivia and IMDb, they wanted to get the esteemed band Cannibal Corpse to perform here, mm-hmm. but they had performed in Ace Ventura that year early on, so they didn't want to double them up in another movie in 1994. And apparently, Cannibal Corpse, Jim Carrey's favorite band, so <laughs> that's why they <laughs> well, were in Ace Ventura. So uh, Metallica you know funny. also approached as well. This is definitely not my genre. I don't. I don't mind White Zombie. They're okay, but I mean, th- this style is not my genre. But everything I hear in this movie, all I can picture is Jim Carrey uh, yeah. in Ace Ventura. He's on stage <laughs> with his head, just growling. Yeah, I watched them recently. Uh, fuck, they're great movies. Um, just uh, you talk about having a style. Just Jim Carrey and Ace Ventura, like that. That I wish how I could live my life in that. Just like not giving yeah. a shit. <laughs> like I love it when he like goes into that bar and he's like, "Excuse me, have you seen Jim?" Thank you. It's just like this guy's in banging it. He gives him like one second. Thank you. And he just. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with the door, with the soundproof. Allow me to demonstrate something. Ah! 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 1994 year. We have to, it's a great idea. We don't want somebody to steal this, but it would be a great idea to do that. Just uh, let's take an entire year and we'll cover one movie that's released each week. And we don't even have to make the long episodes. We can do short form. Like Ace Ventura, The Mask and Dumb and Dumber all in the same year. Like has anyone yeah. ever had a bigger year of movies than Jim Carrey? Like that is insane yeah. that you have three of those in one year. All of which, which mm-hmm. I don't feel were that appreciated at the time. I mean, they were big hits, but like they weren't really, you know, my dad hated them. My dad was like, oh God, Jim Carrey, can't stand him. Why do you like him so much? But nowadays those three movies are beloved. Like it's kind of, you don't find any negativity against those movies really. So uh, yeah, 94 year. We'll do that. Um, gosh, I, I don't even wear out this movie. Uh, <laughs> all right. White zombie, Rob zombie, whatever. I remember Cannibal Corpse, when I worked at the CD shop, um, they released an album that had a uh, dead flesh scented album cover. I'm pretty sure it was Cannibal Corpse and you would scratch it and apparently that smell was rotting flesh. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Cannibal Corpse. It might have been another metal band, but uh, if it wasn't, there's a novel idea for you metal fans out there. Um, yeah, metal, not my type of music, but cool. We got Rob Zombie get his nipple ring ripped out, so good for him. Um, yeah, there's there's more more people are showing up to the radio station now. Uh, Michael Richards is talking to the guy on the phone. It eventually leads to him getting a gun. Um, I like the fact that Michael McKean is trying to sell ads. Like on radio, like, yeah. and if the cops kill them beforehand, you get your money back. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> I kind of like that. Like, I'm just doing my job, man. Uh, I also like the fact that we got um, Judd uh, Nelson basically at one point. It's like, hey, wait, we can sign these guys. Like, these guys are going to be huge. <laughs> like, really? Is that a thing? Um, Adam Sandler He's got has- a great line there too where, where he's he's basically sulking because it's like, I had them here. I could have had them. And he, he says... If the, if the song's in English, it's a gold record at least. <laughs> Adam Sandler has sex. Uh, <laughs> that woman is Jamie. I'm sorry. She, that is Jamie <laughs> in a hostage situation. <laughs> a slightly shirtless guy. So uh, what do you want to do? <laughs> because why not? Um, 
Yeah, I'm missing a lot here. The one bit, like, that, again, radio, sound, background, when uh, Joe Montagna turns up the music to piss off Michael McKeon and he just, like, puts the levels so up high and then basically they're all like, rock and roll. I'm sorry, that's distorted. That is not coming out. Like, last. Just turn the main volume up in the radio mm-hmm. studio. That's all you need to do. Um, Murder a Girlfriend finally shows up, brings the tape. It's been pissed on. It doesn't work. The well, it doesn't work because the radio desk gets destroyed because she throws a chair. She is the worst. Um, she's the MJ of this movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she's the Amanda Pete. Yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe I'll cap it there. I feel like I've gelled over a lot of things. Oh, the demands. I do actually like some of the demands with him. Basically, like, I want a football helmet filled with ice cream. I want a giant water bottle. A uh, giant baby bottle. I want a naked picture of B. Arthur. <laughs> B. Arthur? I'm just a big cop, man. What do you think I can do? <laughs> and then Judd Nelson, Rocky. later on when the demands all start showing up, yeah. and Judd Nelson walks past his Adam Sanders looking at pictures with B. Arthur. Outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> it just reminded me of uh, Rossi slash Rocky in our um, holiday special mm-hmm. episode. <laughs> it's like talking about, what did he say? Like, you don't knock B. Arthur. She's a national icon or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Rocky loves this movie because he gets to see a back of a photo of a naked... I just imagine the cops knocking on B. Arthur's door. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, B. Arthur. We're the LAPD. eh? How you doing? Good. Yep. Cool. Uh, We've got some guys holding up some... Oh, yeah. I'm watching on the news. Great. Awesome. Cool. Uh, uh, Just a favour. One of the demands is asking for naked pictures of you. I'll go get my Polaroid. I'll be back. (laughs) (laughs) Like, B. Arthur wouldn't question it, would she? She's so nice. She'd just go, okay, fair enough. You know, I'll do it. Um, She's like, with or without the other Golden Girls? Yeah. <laughs> with. With. <laughs> um, maybe I'll cap it there. Actually, no, I'll cap it at this big speech by Brendan Fraser where they keep calling him, what do they keep calling him, Chester? And then this is yeah. like meant to be a big reveal, like, come on, Chester, tell the truth. And it's like, I was a geek in high school. <laughs> I played Dungeons and Dragons. And then basically everyone in the crowd is like, I played Dungeons and Dragons too. It's like... <laughs> I was the editor of the school magazine. It's like, I frequently masturbated in high school. Everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. And again, the guys who are holding hostages are out now. No hostages are being held and the cops don't take them. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, I'll there's cap some, it there. There's some great stuff in here I can't wait to talk about. Uh, Go for first, it. First, you are the the Lone Rangers thing that that's it's hilarious even though it is a plot hole because Brendan Fraser is not that dumb uh is it the Lone Rangers and they're all proud of this I'm like yeah and it's like well shouldn't you be the three Rangers and then I, I think the response to one of the I have no idea what you're saying right now yeah. <laughs> it's just the most idiotic response ever you lost me too um uh yeah the Judd Nelson thing this is what the whole thing was where he was saying uh, they're gonna be on a Time magazine Larry King live if the song is in English, it's a gold record at least. <laughs> uh, Michael McKeon gets his, or Michael McKeon, Michael Richards gets his arm on fire. Yeah, I just wanted to point out. So I, I was laughing, you know, watching this at six o'clock in the morning, laughing as I usually would with a person being set on fire. Uh, I can't be alone in thinking that people <laughs> he's set on fire. We have covered far too many movies this year that are comedies where people are set on fire, and I know you're supposed to laugh. So pyromaniacs, gonna... uh, people in jail. <laughs> Like, like it's I just, funny. I, I mean, like, I, I, I see the humor in it slightly, but like, not to the <laughs> level that you do. Like, this, this would be like if all of a sudden I'm like, so whenever people get like stabbed brutally and lose a limb, it's hilarious. Like, oh, whenever a, a, a man bashes a woman in a movie, it's hilarious. Like, 
people being set on fire is funny. <laughs> I really as long as they don't for die. your family. I really fear for your family. As long as they don't die. So they spend the rest of their lives severely, horrifically burnt, probably wishing they were dead. Like, absolutely scarred for life. But they're not dead, so it's okay because it was funny watching them burn and flail on the floor. Like, I can Hilarious. literally imagine if Jamie right now is, like, cooking you something and all of a sudden she's like, ah, 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 and she, like, runs into the room and she's, like, on fire. Whole body laughing at it right now. Like, you're not even going to be like, oh, my God, my wife's on fire. You're going to point laugh. No, there's seriously, there's a movie. I'm trying to remember what it's called. It's got Woody Harrelson and Brie Larson in it. I, I was trying to watch it because it had Woody Harrelson and Brie Larson, but it wasn't very good. Uh, and there's a scene in the movie where there's a, it's a mother on the phone or something like that. And in the background, you see a little girl who's trying to put something on the stove. Oh, no. And the little girl, this three-year-old kid, all of a sudden her clothes engulf in flames in the background. <laughs> And I start laughing and I rewind it like four times. I can't bring myself to watch the rest of the movie because I can't get around funny a child getting burnt. For some reason, a child getting burnt is funnier to me than to see a little girl getting <laughs> I think I've probably told this story before, but I, I, this might have come up when we've talked about this. But I remember I had a friend in high school. Those were the days. Uh, we were watching an Australian TV show, Always Greener, made my top 50 TV shows of all time. And there was a plot line where basically the the mother of one of the families was pregnant. She was like, you know, older, so it was kind of the plot line of like, hey, should an older woman be having a baby? So kind of they tossed and turned. It was a dramatic thing. Like, should we have it? She was quite late in a pregnancy. And the whole plot line of one episode was basically, oh, the fridge is faulty. We need to get that fixed. Yeah, I'll get it fixed. Oh, the fridge is faulty. Oh, we'll get it fixed. She got sick of it being faulty, so she tried to fix it herself, to which she got electrocuted and, like, went flying across the room, and, of course, it led to her losing the baby. Very serious storyline. My friend, watching this episode, basically, <laughs> like, he rewound it a hundred times. <laughs> this scene of her plugging the fridge into the fridge, and she literally goes, Bzoom, and, like, flies across the room. <laughs> And, like, this is a really serious, dramatic scene, right? He could not stop re-watching this scene of this woman getting electrocuted and her baby dying. Like, when you've got a friend and they're like, like, we're talking hysterical laughter where you are crying laughter, right? And, uh-huh. like, you get involved in those moments with, with someone, whether you think it's funny or not, right? You join in. And, like, oh, it went on forever. It went on forever. Just this constant <laughs> rewind of zoom, boom. Yeah, we're hard. Uh, I like this friend. Yeah. <laughs> I like this friend. <laughs> um, uh. Adam Sandler trying to make friends with everybody is one of the funniest things in this movie. Like the the scene with with Yvonne. Well, why don't black people like me? That's great. Uh, and later on, when Brendan Fraser goes out and he first says, "Okay, you know, we'll we'll give you your list of demands. We'll get your song. We'll get the the other copy of the tape here. You got to release a hostage." So he says, "We'll release you a hostage." Hello. Uh, <laughs> nice to oh, see Mal- you. It's Mallory. She's got a shirt on. It's okay. She can come. Okay. Yeah, she, she clothed this time. <laughs> she is. She's very clothed. So, yes, you. Oh, you're pointing at the fridge. You can open it. Go for it. You open the fridge. <laughs> Which, don't. Don't. What you just told me about fridges, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> well, our fridge goes dinling whenever you open the door. So, like, there's always a sound effect in the background. So, yeah. Anyway, I'm. I'm so glad we that have people that. listening to this get our background lives of Ben and Colin. Uh, I, we have that. That's that's uh, basically how we know when Casper has left the fridge open. Uh, we don't get the ding when it opens. Yeah, after like ten or fifteen seconds, like 
Mallory and Jared hate it. They're like, oh, it's so annoying. Like, it honestly doesn't bother me in the slightest. Um, oh, she's gone to the ice cream already. Can I have some ice cream? Oh, I'm not meant to be embarrassed. <laughs> You're not going to criticize her diet like you did a couple weeks ago? <laughs> this is keto ice cream. She can eat it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, this is completely off topic, but. Uh, really? We never go off topic yes. on this show. <laughs> When we were mentioning the fridge thing, um, we basically are at the point where we have to start putting like alarms on everything in our house because uh, Casper is like an incredible escape artist. Like he was in a daycare center where they have six to eight workers there. Uh, so basically almost like person forever, two, three kids. And he's escaped from the building several times where they would find him. out. <laughs> One time he was at my sister-in-law's house and, and he wasn't even two years old at this point. Uh, he was probably just not even quite two years old. They were all playing in the yard, four other kids there, my sister-in-law, her mother-in-law or whatever. And uh, they turn their backs for 10 seconds and Casper's gone. They find him three blocks away. <laughs> I should find this that was so the last funny. Time like, she... I'm just imagining Casper like showing up to a pub or something like that. Like, what are you doing, Casper? Well, I mean, he, a couple of days ago, uh, or maybe let's say a couple of weeks ago, that ice cream looks good, by the way. <laughs> it's amazing. Can I just show it to the camera? No one's watching this. Enlightened keto. There you go, people listening. If you're on keto, get enlightened. This stuff tastes like the Glazed donut. Mm, it is amazing. I had uh, my, my last of my gluten-free donuts that Jamie says, when you have your next donut, you're going to notice there's a giant bite that's taken out of it. And that's because <laughs> Casper got into it. Uh, but no, Casper recently found a way to open our kitchen window, uh, which has a lock on it. So that means he knows how to operate the locks now. He's like the he raptors in the Jurassic sc- Park. <laughs> he found a way to take the screen out of the window. What? And then he climbed down five feet to our central air unit below and got into the backyard. Wow. Barefoot. So what you're saying is when you go to jail for burning your family to death, you yes. won't burn Casper because he can get you out of jail. He's getting me out. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Wow. Uh, but that's why every once in a while you'll hear Casper in the background. It's because he finds a way to get past childproof locks and doors and everything. And can sneak in. he'll be a great magician one day. Uh, anyways, or what was it? Oh, yeah, Adam, S- <laughs> Adam Sandler being nice to uh, everybody. Uh, so after they say we're going to release a hostage, Adam Sandler's like, why not Yvonne? You know, she's really nice. Okay, fine. You can go. And Adam Sandler turns to him and goes, congratulations. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I like that. Adam Sandler is the funniest person in this movie. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 it's hard for me to decide, but yeah, I probably would say yes, because the next scene would totally sell it for me. Now, this is the one where he's trying to tell him, you got to stop being so nice to all these people. Uh, and, and Steve Buscemi's trying to get him to talk tough. So they're rehearsing, and this is also why Michael Richards believes they are really dangerous, because he can't see that they're not talking to anybody. He thinks that they're saying they're so hostage. And Steve Buscemi's basically like, all right, get against the wall. I'm going to you know, shoot you in the face and, and you know, play around in your blood. He's just saying all these incredibly violent things. And then he turns to Adam Sandler. like, okay, you try. And he goes, over against the wall, please. Thank you. <laughs> and then he's like, come on, meaner. He goes, seriously, move it. <laughs> he's like, no, I want you to get mean. He goes, yeah, and then Adam Sandler gets all of a sudden out of nowhere, just goes like, uh, if you don't, I'm going to snap your head off with my dick and my blood's going to come out and there's nothing you can do about it because I'm a madman. <laughs> with my dick. That, snap your head off with my dick and blood's going to come out and there's nothing you can do about it because I'm a madman. Like, that is amazing. <laughs> I do not love this. You know, again, Adam Sandler, the funniest person in this movie. 
the the flirtation with the secretary girl too i just like it probably one of the funniest things that she does in this movie is where she looks at him and and you know steve buscemi who has hair responds to the thing she goes i like your hair and steve buscemi's like huh and then she's looking at adam sandler who has no hair in this movie and she's saying i like your hair and that's her pickup line <laughs> i like it and then he's, he, she's finally having sex with him and what does adam sandler say like can i go home now or something like that or like he's He's, he's you. He's not no, into so, it at all. Well, yeah, the, there's a line he gives, which I use all the time when Jamie's talking to me. Uh, and this was in the, I remember this from the trailers. This is one of the things that I'm like, oh, that's actually really funny. Where she's like trying to move closer to him on the couch and obviously very flirtatious with him. And she says, what are you thinking about? And he goes, swimming pools. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my, one of my go-to responses every time Jamie's like, what are you thinking about? Swimming pools? <laughs> Wait, J- Jamie constantly is asking you what you are thinking about. Is that a thing? <laughs> Or, or what are you doing? Or what do you want? To, like any anything, anytime, anytime you can fit in swimming pools is the answer. I had I um, had two answers to questions in high school. It was either having a wank or Madonna. They were literally my two answers. <laughs> it was like, I, what, what are you doing, man? Having a wank? Who is Madonna? Like, what did you do on the weekend? Madonna had a wank. Like that, that's literally <laughs> what I would answer. Answer two questions as a as a teenager. I'm I'm starting to see why you didn't amount to much uh, right, in the radio exactly. industry. <laughs> Job interviews. So tell me a bit about yourself, Madonna. Okay, so what have you done before this? Had a wank. <laughs> I had my big break. Like I I was going to be Howard Stern's like backup, but I failed it miserably. You would have been the Joe Montana of Tasmania. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, that's on my resume. Funnily enough, uh, Joe Montana. <laughs> Uh, I don't. I don't really get the transition of Joe Montana just sort of being with him because it's in the the discussion they're having about the tattoos. Mm. And Brendan Fraser gives this philosophical answer about the Grim Reaper stalking him, and he needs to get in gear. And Joe, all of a sudden, Joe Montana is like, you know, I'm going to help you guys and get you on the air. Uh, I, I love Michael McKeon. Michael McKeon is such a great straight man in this movie. Where, uh, first of all, the the scene that you mentioned where it says, you know, uh, can I sit in the chair? Uh, okay, wait, I think this is sexist. Why should she sit in the chair and I shouldn't? Okay, everybody gets to sit in the chair except for you. And then uh, later on when they he does put him on the air after Joe Montana kind of turns around and all he could say is rock and roll, screaming it. And then Michael McKean's like, that's it? You're going to go to jail for rock and roll? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's another part here where Michael McKean is uh, saying he has to go to the bathroom, but he's going, I guess, to make his phone calls or whatever. Mm. And David Arquette just says, where are you going, you little butt nut? <laughs> and then the 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 other guy, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, your third. What did you say he was in Third Watch? Oh, Marcus uh, Reggie, yeah. Kathy, yeah, yeah. Marcus. Marcus is like Milo, Milo, Milo. Milo. <laughs> <laughs> just, I always just love. Just everybody hates this guy at the radio station, uh, and this is where he walks in and sees them screwing on his couch too. Which that's a fourteen thousand uh, There's one stain on there. What? You'll fire me? <laughs> Yeah, and this is, oh, I'm sorry. Hey, this was my fault. <laughs> Adam yeah. Sandler's still so polite about it. <laughs> Which is uh, but like calmest he's ever been. I've never seen that. Like, even in Little Nicky where he's kind of calm and, you know, like, what was the Punch Drunk Love? No, the other one he did, the 9-11 movie. There's our 9-11 reference um, with Don Cheadle. That was a good movie. Um, but even that, he kind of has crazy moments. This is like the calmest I've ever seen Adam Sandler. It, other than snapping people's heads off with his dick. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, one scene, right? Yeah. What was that movie um, with Don Cheadle, the 9-11 movie? That was a good movie. I don't even know what you're talking about. There was, he, he, like, Adam Sandler was a, uh, his wife had died in 9-11, so he'd, like, um, mm. he basically ignored it. And Don Cheadle, I don't know if Don Cheadle he worked with or was a therapist, and basically he was trying to get him to open up about it because he was, I think, just deliberately being goofy to ignore 
talking about it. And then there's just like this one scene when he finally like breaks down about it. And you're like, holy crap, that's Adam Rain Over Me. Yeah, Rain Over Me. That was a good movie. Good movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, much better dramatic actor than people would give oh, him credit for. This is the thing I think I said earlier in this episode. Like, he just doesn't, he, I think, just goes for the money, right? <laughs> like, he signs these Netflix yeah. deals and he doesn't care. And, like, once every 10 years, he'll decide to do a serious movie. And he's actually really good. So, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll agree with you with the SWAT team guy. I really don't think this, not only does it not go anywhere, it just doesn't fit right in the movie because I, I don't think they went as far with it as they should have. The idea is that he is kind of on edge because his wife left him for a pool cleaner. So when he finds out one of the guys is a pool cleaner, he basically wants revenge. It just, it's not funny. And I'm not saying it's not, not funny. This is the one thing I'll agree with you on. It's like, just be funny. I I don't get this whole SWAT team guy. I mean, I get what the purpose is in the story, but it feels like either the actor doesn't try as hard as he should to make this funny, or they don't give it a big enough part of the plot. Um, Maybe if you had a couple of scenes of him like crying to himself, they, they tried with like where Michael Richards is making his way around the building. Every once in a while, they'll cut back to him. And the SWAT team guy is just basically talking his ear off. About, oh yeah. And then my wife did this. It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't make me laugh the way I think it's supposed to. <clears throat> it makes me gassy, but it doesn't make me wow. laugh. <laughs> Jeez. Hello. How's the ice cream there? Going good. Um, the, uh, the, the demands is great too, which again, this is where it shows they're actually quite smart because uh, it, they, they said, if we come up with these crazy demands, we complete insanity later on. Uh, and you mentioned the naked pictures of B. Arthur. Uh, my favorite one, again, just Steve Buscemi. Like, I don't think we've talked enough about how great Steve Buscemi is in this movie where uh, he says 67 copies of Moby Dick. And the secretary is like the book of the movie. And he's like, they made a book out of that. Me. <laughs> okay. Then get the book. Me. <laughs> yeah. That's you. Yeah. That's 100% you. Uh, Wasn't Patrick uh, Stewart in a Moby Dick? Was it a movie or a TV series? No, I think he was. Yeah, Patrick Stewart. Um, oh, there, they, there was also that one. It, it wasn't technically Moby Dick, but Ron Howard made it uh, with Chris Hemsworth. It was like based on the true story that Moby Dick was based on in the Heart of the Sea. That's what it was. Right. Uh, that was a decent movie. Chris Hemsworth and um, who else did you say was it? Ron Howard. Like, so, yeah, it sounds all right. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, okay. But uh, it's not Patrick yeah, the, Stewart. The, the one thing that uh, you missed here, and, and I'm curious if you even picked up on it in the movie, when they send in the record executive the first time, um, and it's Harold Ramis from Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you recognize it was even Harold Ramis. But, I read it afterwards, but then I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, but that scene's great too because they're basically saying, oh, how do we know you're not a cop? And he goes, oh, I'm not a cop. And he's like, all right. Whose side did you take in the, the Van Halen David Lee Roth split? And he thinks about it's like David Lee Roth. It's like, he's a cop. <laughs> and then the second part where uh, they're like, uh, who would win to fight Lemmy or God? And he says, Lemmy, wrong, God, wrong. The answer is Lemmy is God. Uh, if you watch that scene when he go, they kick him back out and you think these guys are idiots, right? You see Harold Ramis's character put on a bulletproof vest and take a gun. So he really was a cop and they, detected him by asking him these questions which i don't even think i caught that the first couple times i watched this movie it's definitely one of those scenes where again like it's funny but like you feel like this is like they need to be dumber for this is like the one part where they're actually smart or something like that because it's got to do with metal or something like that yeah no i get that yeah there's just something if you had them be 
completely idiotic for the whole movie. And then there's one scene, they really nail it. Then it, yeah. maybe it is a little bit funnier. Uh, when Jimmy wing shows up too, though, I, <laughs> I just love, uh, or I think, I don't even think it was Jimmy wing. It might've been the Harold Ramis scene. I kind of co- confused the two where uh, one of them is saying, you know, you guys are uh, the hottest thing since Marky Mark and the funky bunch. And that's when Steve Buscemi said, Marky Mark, that guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but so I forget Marky dated, Mark. That is that dated reference though, isn't it? That they literally bring up, oh, Marky Mark yeah. and the funky bunch, 1994 <laughs> peak music. Because I think we had a Millie Vanilli it, reference earlier as well. I think I've already mentioned that, but yeah. Yeah, they said, yeah, we're not like that Millie Vanilli stuff or whatever. Uh, but th- this, I will agree with you. I mean, I feel like you could have gone full satire here, just, you know, completely roasting the music industry because they try for things like the fads of Millie Vanilli or Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Uh, you know, he's a cop cause he doesn't understand this. They don't quite you know, ground the movie enough in that, but I think it's still, it's, it's amusing for what it is. I mean, if this were just a kidnapping story, I think it would be fairly amusing. Uh, when they basically try to start a riot, this is when the police are shooting them. <laughs> they're out there holding the guns up to the crowd, holding them up to the police officers saying, turn the power back on in the building. And he starts screaming Rodney King. And Adam Sandler has the best response to this. When uh, the Rodney King, what's that supposed to mean? He, he was that guy. <laughs> they're not questioning who is Rodney King. Why is he all of a sudden chanting Rodney King? Uh, also the, the fact that their guns get exposed here when they close the door, bringing in all the, uh, the, the demands, all the props. And then you see this, the hot sauce and uh, the Marcus and David Arquette's character run out. And uh, David Arquette's doing like this, this uh, like chariots of fire. Dun, 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 dun. And Marcus gets tackled to the ground. Now, there's something that was like, they were going for satire, but didn't want to make it too obvious. Yeah. The blonde white kid comes out and it's like, yay, he's out. The black guy comes out and the police tackle him to the ground and handcuff him. And he was like, I'm one of the hostages, people. And that's where it's like, that, you're right. Like that needs to be satirical, right? That needs to come across mm-hmm. as a joke. Whereas I'm literally watching this going like, um, are they only doing it because he's black? Is he meant to be funny? Like what's going yeah. on here? But, but yeah, I mean, as far as the SWAT team side plot and Michael Richards, you needed it so there'd be a real gun at some point so they take him seriously, which is what happens next. Uh, a couple of little cameos that I didn't even know about until I read up on a little bit here. All the people in the crowd, when he's exposed as being the um, uh, the, the nerd in high school or whatever, Chester, yeah, when he's exposed as being Chester, uh, these are all, I guess, uh, not going to all be famous, but semi-famous people. Uh, the screenwriter of the movie is the guy who says, I wore corduroy pants and everybody goes, ew, like that. That's the one thing where they won't cheer still. Uh, so that's the screenwriter of the movie. There's a, uh, a music writer, journalist, Kurt Loder, uh, who um, has, has written, you know, magazine articles, books, uh, movies, stuff like that. And he's playing the, uh, is he the masturbation guy? Let's see. No, I don't even know who he plays in this movie, but it says he plays himself. Uh Stuttering John Melendez. So this is a guy who got his break on the Howard Stern radio show. He actually sings a song on the soundtrack too. He sings the song when they pull up to the radio station that's playing in the background. Uh, He became the announcer for the Jay Leno show. Uh, He is the guy in the crowd who uh, says, I masturbated constantly. Uh, And then the main one is Lemmy, who is God, uh, is the guy in the crowd. He says, I was the editor of the school magazine. So they literally just reference Lemmy from Motorhead and then 
a minute and a half later, Lemmy shows up playing the editor of the school magazine in the crowd. So uh, they decided to throw a couple of cameos in here. I don't know if any of these would have been noticeable other than Lemmy, but it is interesting that they not only got, you know, Motorhead mentioned in this movie, Lemmy mentioned, they get a song on the soundtrack and they get him to cameo. This is what they were going for when they were trying to get Cannibal Corpse. Was this supposed to be the singer of Cannibal Corpse? Maybe. Oh, no, no, the Cannibal Corpse was where the nipple ring that was meant to be Cannibal Corpse. Mm. I think like the bar scene. So that was Cannibal and Corpse we get White and Metallica were the ones that were were tied. Oh, actually, Cannibal Corpse actually might have been the band that was playing instead of Galaxy instead of White Zombie. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like yeah, I think that this like there's I, I see I see the problems with it that you're mentioning, but. For just a fun movie, and again, if you if you were to be a teenage boy watching this, I think the response is a little bit different. Uh, so maybe that's why I can be more forgiving of this, because I remember being a teenage boy watching this the first time, whereas you don't. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't a teenage boy when this came out either. But, like, no, you're right. Like, I mean, and this, again, like, it's got problems. It's, I'm, I'm not absolutely loving this, but I don't hate this movie. Like, it's kind of like when we did Bill and Ted 2. I, like, I had a lot more problems with that. Um, and that was kind of on a similar vein, but like, I don't know, like, it's just, I feel this is a movie if I watched it a few times, or maybe I just, I needed to have this movie being watched as a younger person to, to really appreciate it because, you know, here I am, I'm going to be next week defending Dudley Do-Right. And that was a movie that I was watching as a 12 year old. So maybe that's got a little bit like if I had never seen Dudley Do-Right and I watched it next week, I'm probably going to be thinking what you're going to be thinking, I'm assuming. So, yeah. Oh, that's all I had to say. Oh, right. Okay. Sorry. I was, you know, yeah, okay. I'm fine. I was being polite. Uh, Richard Wilkes is the screenwriter of this film and uh, best known for going on to write pretty much all of the Triple X movies. So mm. good for you, Richard Wilkes. I prefer a different type and of Triple X movie, but that's for James. Just wrote the movie the, the Dirt, the Motley Crue biopic that just came out. Oh, yes. I watched that. Very <laughs> good. Um,. I really liked finding out how that crew became so motley. Uh. <laughs> I mean, we have we have mentions of two motley crew members in this movie. We have Tommy Lee and Vince Neil mentioned. And Tommy so. Lee and Motley, I, I don't know who Motley Crew are, but I've heard of them. But yeah, I, I couldn't kickstart tell you who's my in. heart. You've probably heard that song. Probably, yeah, maybe. I I just know Tommy Lee from the guy who banged Pamela Anderson on a boat. So that's, <laughs> that's all I know Tommy Lee for. And then he did, um, when they did, um, remember they did Rockstar in Excess to find a new lead singer of In Excess? Yeah. Then afterwards it was uh, Tommy Lee put together his band at the time or whatever it was. Uh, mm-hmm. Whatever happened to JD Fortune? He was good in In Excess. I saw he was Canadian. Live. Yeah. Apparently he went from like being homeless to being in In Excess to being homeless again. So uh, <laughs> he sounded like Michael Hutchins though. Like they actually found a good mm-hmm. singer. So, you know, we, I saw them live. They came to Hobart not long after that. And uh, yeah, it was a good show. So anyway, um, yes, uh, the gun breaks. And then so this is where I feel like, again, you can play this up a little bit. Don't have to have them having a real gun. Just like literally have them having a fake gun the whole time and getting found out or something like that. I don't know. Like, I feel that well, would be kind ev- of funnier. Everybody is playing along with them at this point anyways, right? So you yeah. really could. Yeah, like like as you were saying before, like all the hostages kind of are on their side now all of a sudden. So, yeah, go along with it. Play along with it a little bit. Don't reveal it. Um, And then kind of it, it, it plays it funnier. I don't know. I, I also like when they, they do escape and David Arquette wants to be let back in. Like, let me back yeah. in, man. Let me back in. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of funny. There's a random scene where Brendan Fraser's eating like a burrito and then he's shooting the hot sauce yeah. and the gun on the thing. <laughs> um, Brendan Fraser's got like, again, we, we talked, I think, last week about it and this week as well, like the facial expressions. Like Brendan Fraser's a very good physical actor 
And there's lots of moments in this movie where kind of like, there's a bit when he's on the phone. I think it's when the cops are going, well, we're going to give you this and remember our deal, like give us more like hostages. And he kind of like rolls his eyes and does this kind of thing with his whole body essentially like that and hangs the phone up. So there's a couple of moments. If you can hear a bell in the background, by the way, my cat is going crazy. So just uh, want to let it's that It's not know. the fridge. It's not Mallory. It's not the fridge. It's, it's our cat. So... Uh, yeah, I don't know why I needed to point that out. But just in case people are listening going, has Ben got like a bell that he <laughs> puts on Mallory or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> I do, but uh, she takes it off during the uh, recording sessions. Um, so essentially the demand is also to get a record guy down here. Uh, Judd Nelson comes in. He's going to sign a massive record contract. Michael McKeon is, what does he say? Like, I'm good at reading contracts or something. I will take 5% or something like that. So they ten. put together ten, sure, uh, record contract without even listening to the song, and Brendan Fraser's like, no, no, we can't do this without listening to the song. This isn't the real way. Yet then they're like, okay, well let's do the real way. Let's make you play a live show in front of all these people. Uh, so they fly in a massive stage. They basically put on a giant concert, ready to go. They get all the costumes and everything. And then Brendan Fraser won't play because they will be lip syncing. Maybe back to the Millie Vanilli reference early on in the beginning. And they're like, no, man, we can't lip sync. This isn't who we are. I mean, even I'm with the record executive here. Like, this is your big yeah. break. Like, who cares? And they only <laughs> wanted it played. Like, they weren't going to be lip syncing if it was on the radio. It was still the same song. But this is where I think, going back to my point, like, about they should actually be bad. Like, have this where they all get up on stage and then they start singing, and they're terrible. And then the record executive is kind of like, holy crap, what have we done? And it's like, too late, you've already signed the contract. And then, like, the joke is this terrible band going to be, like, a huge success. Like, that's mm-hmm. the joke. That's what's funny about that. That's the William Hung, right? You know? Terrible yeah. on American Idol, and he goes on to release, like, a top ten cover of She Bangs or whatever it was. So, you know, make that the funny part of it. Um, but they don't. They They don't end up performing or they do what do they do here they don't perform or they do they don't yeah they, they don't. just they just crowd surf and then yeah. it cuts to their performance months later which again is weird like i don't understand it because it's like okay that's very rock and roll and then they're in jail performing live to which their recording in jail has gone multi-platinum and we get the this, this is a, a classic case of a failed joke in this movie. It's meant to be funny, but it's not funny. Joe Montana on the phone, going like, "Yeah, they're gonna go on tour. They're gonna go everywhere. They'll be out in six months, three months if they behave themselves." Like again, I get what they're trying to do there. Ha ha ha! They're in jail, but we've already seen them in jail. Say that joke before you cut to them in jail. Then it's funnier, right? Like mm-hmm. the joke's not funny when we've already seen them in the jumpsuits and they're performing. You've missed an opportunity there to make that joke funny. And that's the end. We get a subtitle that they went on to sell three-time platinum album and that's it. Live in Prison, their debut album. Live in Prison, their debut album, which apparently is a thing because all the guards are just watching these prisoners dancing and they're behaving themselves because everyone in prison just happens to like thrash metal, right? So, yeah. I also love Adam Sandler on the drums. Watch him on the drums. Like He doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. It's kind of funny. (laughs) Uh, I, I do wonder if that's Brendan Fraser's real voice because it sounds exactly yeah, it like does. him. Yeah. 
I can't find anything to confirm that or deny it, but uh, at least sounds like him. Uh, I also uh, forgot to mention earlier on another great part when they were sending the hostages out, or uh, sending the first one out before Adam Sandler says, let's send Yvonne. He says, okay, we got to send one of the hostages out or one of the people out. And Adam Sandler's just like, I'll go. He's like, no, one of the hostages. <laughs> it's so sincere. <laughs> um, yeah, there's not much left in the movie here. I do have one of my all-time favorite insults uh, where Michael McKeon's trying to suddenly win them over and like, come on, get out of here, Milo. And he's like, come on, I know you guys think that I'm a real dick cheese burger. <laughs> <laughs> like dick cheeseburger, love it. I couldn't use it from now on. <laughs> uh, and the secretary girl, she has one of the parts that I don't even, th- I-, I knew this was a line in the movie, but it's not one of the ones where it's like, I remember and I quoted, but like, I was almost crying. I was laughing so hard when this came up the most recent time I watched it, where he, uh, Michael McKean's again, just trying to convince him, listen, you don't want anybody in the music industry just to screw you out of something. You could end up losing millions. She goes, that's true. My ex-boyfriend Parker, he was a model. And one time they stole his shoes <laughs> and there's just like a dead silence as everybody stares at her. That bit's funny. I'll give it that one. Yeah, love it. Uh, Adam Sandler again, like he he is the only one who qualifies as an airhead in the movie when they're um, setting up the equipment to try to let Jimmy Wing, Judd Nelson listen to the demo. And uh, he's got everything set up. And then uh, Steve Buscemi's like, well, where's the tape deck? And he goes, oh, you want me to bring that too? <laughs> hey, give me your arm. And he takes pliers to his arm. <laughs> and Adam Sandler, of course, like, ah! Hey, get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, the, the whole speech that Judd Nelson gives them too, where he's like, you know, rock stars don't go to jail. It's like uh, Vince Neil killed a guy and he only got 30 days. It's like, this is exactly what happens to the girlfriend. It, it's yep. so ironic reading that after you watch this movie where she gets a couple of years and then they repeatedly say, listen, you got to spend more time in jail for murdering a person. Uh, the <laughs> Another one of the funny lines when they when they get on the stage, first of all, Adam Sandler in the Zorro outfit is like, do I look stupid? Yeah. <laughs> uh, when he goes out on the stage and he's just like, this is a soggy dream come true. <laughs> I don't get some it. Some of these are like, funny. <laughs> some of these are totally Adam Sandler improvised lines, you know, too. Yeah. Uh, now, the, is the girlfriend supposed to be going to jail too? Because she's the only one in this movie that actually does hold somebody up with a real weapon. Hmm. Because they're using water pistols. Yeah. And when they're all on stage to maintain the illusion, she has the gun on everybody. Now, granted, the people she has the gun on, Jim, Jimmy Wing, you know, uh, the, the Joe Montaigne, everybody, they're going along with this, but she still has the gun. So yeah. she should be in prison at the end and not one of their background dancers or whatever she is. Well, she's used to being in prison anyway. So, you know. Yeah, exactly. This. <laughs> yep. She she eventually that's what this whole resentencing thing is. Yep. It's like, listen, we know you served your time for murdering that woman, yep. but uh, you know, you really got off easy for that airheads thing. Yep. Like, if those guys go to jail, you go you go to jail. That's our favorite um, movie, and we feel that you got you should have been. In yeah. This. <laughs> uh, I want to uh, say the, the way that they deliver some of these lines, just reading it doesn't do it justice. But when they realize they're going to be lip syncing, there's like this really dramatic zoom in on Steve Buscemi's face. He goes, I ain't lip syncing, man. Like just so serious and intense. Uh, and then 
the the farting on the snare drum part like that's another one of my favorite lines where it's like for all you care our album could just be pip farting on a snare drum and then they cut to adam sadler i ain't farting on no snare drum man. <laughs> again so serious uh the whole finish, I don't know if I would say it's underwhelming to me. I feel like it's just you wrote yourself into a corner. What else are you going to do? Okay, you just don't play the instruments. You dive out into the crowd. It doesn't quite feel like that's maybe as big of an ending they intended for, but it's like, what else are you going to do? Mm. Uh, I do like the prison thing at the end, though. I, I get that, that it's kind of an obvious joke with the, you know a three months if they behave themselves. But um, the best part of that entire you know, ending of the movie, other than the song, which is fantastic, is Steve Buscemi humping his bass yeah. repeatedly. And Adam Sandler goes, Rex, what are you doing, man? And you see these two these two big burly prison guys. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Joke that may not be shown in 2020, no, but I, I appreciate this in there still. I don't think it would. Uh, yeah, it's this. This is it's just a fun movie. Like, yeah, flaws, flaws all over the place, but it's fun. The cast is likable. Uh, it's got a decent soundtrack, um, and uh, it's got Brendan Fraser, which is all we want for this month. And again, we're going to talk about a movie next week, which you know I'm going to defend a lot of, which nobody in the world has ever done before. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, this I mean, this did not get very good reviews. Twenty three percent at the time. I will say Dudley Do Right, I think, got worse, but uh, <laughs> these earned <laughs> negative reviews from most critics. Uh, the New York Times, Real Views, Time Out, The Washington Post, and Variety all basically said it sucked. Uh, the site's critical consensus says there's a biting satire that keeps threatening to burst out of the well-cast airheads, but unfortunately, the end result lives down to its title in the most unfortunate ways. I'd agree with that. Like, it, it's there. Yeah. It's just it needs to be written by someone better who didn't write Triple X, basically, probably. I don't know. <laughs> um, but a retrospective review by none other than our bestie, Peter Travers, uh, said that Fraser and Buscemi are deadpan delights and Sandler, opera man on SNL, is a red-hot screen find. Uh, so, yeah, apparently uh, this movie has held up well, slightly. Only made $1.9 million. This is, yeah, this is crazy. The box office for this, this may be, other than The Room and Swept Away, this may be the lowest grossing film we've ever covered. Mm. And it's a movie with Brendan Fraser, Steve Buscemi, and Adam Sandler. So how does that happen? An $11.2 million budget, according to this. Although, according to Wikipedia, it made $5.8 million domestic. Uh, well, worldwide. Well, this is contradictory. Oh, no, the opening is $1.9 million. Okay, let's rephrase mm-hmm. that. $5.7 million it made worldwide, uh, which apparently was only in North America because international, there's a dash. I don't think this got yeah. released globally. Uh, what did this open up against? It opened up against The Little Rascals. There's one big one. Clear and Present Danger. Uh, oh, mm-hmm. are you talking about the big movie that was Eat, Drink, Man, Woman? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Also that is an ang- like That is an Ang Lee movie, but nobody would know who Ang Lee was at the time. I just want to see a movie called Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. It sounds very You just want to eat, drink, men and women. I do. That's that's my goal in life. So this made $1.9 million. The other movies, yeah. Little Rascals made $10 million. Clear and Present Danger made $20 million. Also at the cinemas, this was a weekend to go to the movies, was it not? Uh, the Mask in its second week, still making $15 million. Forrest Gump in its fifth week, making $14 million. True Lies in its fourth week, making $9 million. The Client making $7 million in its third week. The Lion King in its eighth week, $7 million. You have It Could Happen to You, Angels in the Outfield. I used to love that movie yeah. as a kid. Uh, Speed and the Flintstones. What a weekend that would have been to go to the movies. 
you know, you could say, look at how competitive this is. This is why the movie made no money. But like Little Rascals made a lot more than this. This isn't just a bomb. I mean, this was non-existent. It had a wide release. I can only think marketing because when we started this off, I was saying, I don't remember seeing this movie for the first time. All those other movies, I can remember that summer. I can remember, oh, look at this new movie that's coming out called, you know, uh, the, the, the Flintstones. Look at this new movie coming out called The Mask. I don't remember ever even hearing about this movie and yet it got a wide release. So I would just say, if nothing else, this is just a poorly marketed movie that nobody knew what it was. Just looking here at the uh, the movie The Client out that weekend, I thought that was a Tom Cruise movie, but I'm thinking of a different one. Uh, Susan Sarandon, Tommy Lee Jones in that movie, yeah. Anthony LaPaglia, um, Anthony Edwards, a lot of Anthony's in that movie, uh, Dan Castellaneta, Homer Simpson's in that movie, Will Patton, William H. Macy. This is a good movie. We should watch that movie. It's directed by it's John uh, Schumacher. Well, and it's it's based on a book from John Grisham, who of course wrote The Firm, which is what you think you have for Tom Cruise. Right. John okay. Grisham was huge in the nineties. Uh, now I know. Just, just can I just point out that Joel Schumacher did a a movie that wasn't like Batman and Robin. He did two because he did another John Grisham adaptation after this, A Time to Kill, which was Matthew McConaughey's big breakthrough. Oh. So yeah, Joel Schumacher had some some decent dramatic movies in the nineties. Rest in peace, Joel. Still not over that. Still too soon. Um, what else do we have here from it? I've opened up the wrong box there. Good job, Ben. Um, do we have some keywords? And maybe with the, would this be one we read positive reviews, or we can do both? I think with this one. Yeah, let's do both. Okay, we'll plot keywords. Uh, not that many. Uh, water pistol, air duct, uh, reference to Moby Dick month, reference to Lone Ranger, obscene finger gesture month. We could do that. <laughs> Uh, these are boring. Piercing ripped out month. Okay, I'm down. Uh, <laughs> featuring Primal Fear, Bride of Chucky, The Punisher, and Land of the Dead. Yep. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing here. Radio Station Month. Okay, sure. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yay, Colin says. Doc Martin. Oh, brother, where art thou? And Pitch Perfect. Oh, no, Pitch Perfect. I'm done. No, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm out. Even though there is reference to Tasmania in that movie. Okay, uh, one-star reviews. Okay, we have the opposite There's only of three of them, or four. Oh, because this is one of those movies I feel there's going to be more positive reviews because people want to defend it. So the headlines are the, are the, are the negatives. The opposite of funny, pure, derivative bullshit, a mockery of a film, my God, dot, <laughs> dot, dot, and lives up to its title, which is a very short review written by yeah. Dark Bangborn. Airheads is right up there with Detroit Rock City. It's one of those movies that's so unfunny, it's painful to watch. There's something seriously wrong with the use of today if they look into this for inspiration. And what is Steve Buscemi doing in it? (laughs) (laughs) Something about the youth of today. Wow. That guy's a creepy old man. Uh, The positive reviews then? There's There's a lot of (laughs) tens. This movie rocks. Never gets old. A movie filled with great comedy and a brilliant cast. This movie rocks and they have brilliant casts. There's more than one cast in this movie. Awesome. Headbangers delight. Quite possibly the funniest movie ever. Doesn't get the love it deserves. Hilarious and motivating. Hilarious film. How can you pluralize the Lone Ranger, dude? (laughs) Good cast. Good movie. And the final one. Awesome. (laughs) Hey, and then the, the review is short for that one. This movie is yeah. great and quite simply, it is worth its weight just for the line about Van Halen. I laughed so hard, I almost wet my pants. 
just go with it. Yeah. Uh, I do. I do like this one right here though. Uh, the, how can you pluralize a Lone Ranger dude review? Uh, this film made me want to join a rock band. The problem is I can't play or sing, but I would do anything to be as cool as these guys. I mean, their album could be pip farting on a snare drum for all I care. And they would still be the coolest guys alive. Who else would even contemplate holding up a radio station with water pistols, especially when your leader's name is Chester? Huh? No one, because the Lone Rangers rule. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, huh? Okay. No one. <laughs> Ratings. Uh, I'll let you go first. I'm buying this. I completely see the issues, but I mean, if we were covering Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore, we would probably poke just as many holes in the story of this or what it could have been if they went in a different direction. Um, it's not my favorite Brendan Fraser comedy. I mean, that would go with Blast from the Past or Encino Man, but it's right up there. I mean, this is pure nostalgia. And there's so many great quotable lines. I mean, Adam Sadler alone makes this worthwhile. And then you add Brendan Fraser, Steve Buscemi. It, it's totally worth it. I'd still buy it. Yeah, I'm going to rent it. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I just... it. I thought maybe I could be talked up to a buy, but eh, like I would watch this movie again, but I don't know. There's just something missing in it for me. So uh, sorry, everyone, but I'm only going to rent it. And I would rank this second right now in our Brendan Fraser month, just for those. I probably, like, I thought hard about this going in. I wouldn't have thought you could top airheads for me, but George of the jungle was just that good. Oh. And I didn't see that coming. Cause I did not remember George of the jungle being that good. I really feel like George of the Jungle could end up being number one. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a massive Bedazzled fan, so we'll have to wait and see. But uh, oh, I like the next movie, though, and we're going to talk about that. <laughs> so next week, uh, we initially were going to save this to last, but we decided to switch it up because generally whenever we've got a movie in a month we do that one of us haven't seen, we like the other person to host it. kind of makes it a little bit more interesting. So I've never seen Airheads, hence why I hosted it. So Colin wants to host Dudley Do-Right, and that's what we're doing next week. Now, I said to Colin off-air that... I was bored one night recently and I'm like, I'm going to watch Dudley Do-Right. So I've already watched it. I will watch it again because it'd been a few years since I've seen it. And I just, this whole time I'm going, oh my God, Colin is going to hate this movie. Like <laughs> it's just, the thing about Dudley Do-Right, it is clearly targeted at like eight-year-olds. Um, <laughs> it is it is beyond, it is, it is George of the Jungle, but even more childish and cartoonish. And But that's what I think I love about it is that it plays up to it even more. Like you literally have like Alfred Molina as like this dastardly deed villain in the black hat with like the curly moustache and the monocle. Um, just like it's so – it is a cartoon in live action. And it is, it is just the ridiculous nature of how hilarious I find this movie. You're going to look at this movie, I feel, and go, Ben, what is wrong with you? This movie is so bad. But – and Brendan Fraser is a massive goof in this movie, even more so than George of the Jungle. And this is definitely one of these movies where I'm going to say, I kind of feel the villain's in the right in this movie. And Brendan Fraser's almost in the wrong. Sarah Jessica Parker's like, not as good as I remember her being in it, but she's kind of pointless to the whole movie. She's kind of, what's the point of her being in the movie? She is the Chris Farley of it. But just some of the randomness in it, like some of the Canadian stuff they kind of point out into it. I feel it's kind of offensive to Native Americans. Uh, I just kind of feel there's some stereotypes in this movie that don't hold up well 20-odd years later. Um, and I, I would love to know if the copy you have of this movie... So there's like a cartoon that plays before it that goes for like five minutes. 
And I don't know if... Like, I remember having the VHS and the DVD of this, and this was on it. I, I don't think I saw Dudley do in the cinema, so I don't know if this was a thing. But, you know, like before a Pixar movie, they u- used to play, like, a five-minute short film before yeah. a Pixar film? It's kind of like that. You've just got, like, a five-minute random cartoon. And I don't know if it's just the copy I have that's on it, or it, this is on, like, legitimately how the movie was sold. So... Anyway, I'll be interested to see if that's a copy you have. I'm so excited for you to watch this, Colin, because I feel like you're going to hate it. I really feel like you will hate this movie. <laughs> uh, I, I think I've told the story before. I'll kind of briefly get into it here, maybe more next week. My main reservation that this wasn't that it looked like it was made for eight-year-olds, because I think George of the Jungle looked like it was made for eight-year-olds as well, but it wasn't. It was. It's very accessible for adults. In fact, I think it's probably even better enjoyed by adults than it is kids. Uh, my main issue with this was being Canadian – uh, and seeing a police officer dressed in what anybody who's not from Canada assumes our police officers dress like with the big red hat, the Mountie outfit, uh, is so absurd. It's almost offensive in Canada because this <laughs> is why like... I don't watch Crocodile Dundee, Colin. It's so offensive to Australians. <laughs> well, I was going to say, there's, <laughs> there's things that as an Australian, you'd be like, this is such a stereotype. It's so not true. Like, try having a conversation with Ben about a koala bear. Hey. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's not a bear, right? <laughs> not a bear. <laughs> but that's like what it is when, when we, we when Canadians see Mounties like this, because nobody has worn that uniform legit outside of ceremonial services, like an official like Remembrance Day or whatever. Nobody has worn that uniform on duty in probably 100 years. Uh, and yet anytime you see uh, Mounties depicted outside of Canada, it's like this. And that's just it was always so stupid that I almost boycotted this movie just because of that. have no idea if I'm going to like this or not. Um, you kind of have me worried that it is going to be more for kids and it's going to be missing a lot of that fun adult humor that George of the Jungle had. But so much. I mean, this will be a first for me. It's it's the first time. I, and I would watch all the bad Brendan Fraser movies at this time period. I remember, you know, and Bedazzled isn't a bad movie, in my no. opinion. It was considered a bad movie, but I remember that. I remember Monkey Bone. I remember, um, what was that other one he had right before Monkey Bone? Um Yep. Yeah. Something else. Uh, all the bad <laughs> Brendan Fraser, Brandon Fraser movies. I, here on the Brendan Fraser month show. Yeah. Yeah. I would watch those. I appreciate the, the Looney Tunes back in action. Love them all. Never even thought about seeing this movie until now. So, but I'm, I'm looking at the running time. I'm glad it looks like it's a very short movie. It is. And it's like, I think, I mean that 90 minutes, I think include, well, it's not even 90 minutes. It's like 80 minutes, but I think like that, maybe I've got the 90 minute version. Cause that's the cartoon. I don't know. Something like that. But, um, yeah, like, but like the thing is, like, you, like I will, I will warn you. This isn't like George of the Jungle. It doesn't have like, as an adult watching this, I was taken back to a kid, and like, there's really nothing in this for adults. I feel, and mm. sadly, adults are the ones reviewing it. I'm just dumb twelve year old Ben in my head still <laughs> watching this movie. There's not that heart that George of the Jungle has that we talked about, and kind of like, you know, the the, the good structure. There, there are there are plot holes in this movie that kind of make no sense, right? And it just, but like, what I love about it is it just goes into cartoonish levels. Like Alfred Molina is brilliant as Snidely Whiplash. Like he's just, <laughs> he's so good. And like this, he's back and forth with Brendan Fraser is just hilarious. Eric Idle is so good in this movie, and it's got. Um, Jed Rees, who, if you know who that is off the top of your head, or you look him up, you will, because he's in Galaxy Quest. He's the main, mm. we are our last hope guy in um, Galaxy Quest. He's one of the henchmen. Uh, random appearance by Regis Philbin and Kathy Lee Gifford in this movie as well. So, 
Um, and I'm so glad to finally get to like some of these things that I have like quoted so much. And I don't know if I've quoted to you or other people and people don't know. Like Dudley do Ryan, you know who, the, you know, DD, who do you know that is? Uh, David Duchovny, Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> it just goes on forever. And someone like, oh, I can't remember what somebody's, I'm jumping ahead. I'll talk about it next week. It's funny. Dudley do right. I'm so excited. I never thought I'd be this excited to talk about Dudley freaking do right. <laughs> It's such a terrible movie that I love so much. Oh, hilarious. Tune in. The only podcast in the world that I can imagine will ever have an episode on Dudley Do-Right. They will also have one host really liking it. So, uh, (laughs) breaking new ground. It was filmed in Vancouver as well, in British Columbia. So, there you go. Just in case you thought it was Vancouver in, I don't know, Saskatchewan or something like that. Uh, Thanks for tuning in to the Oz Network. (laughs) Sorry, not the Oz Network. Thanks for tuning in to Farting on a Snare Drum. Uh, we will be back next week. Um, yeah, you mentioned that weird Halloween thing before. What's happening with Halloween yeah. month at the moment, Colin? Uh, uh, so we have finished off Halloween or Scary Godmother, a Halloween spooktacular, which I had never heard of. It's very hard to find anything on the internet, but you can find it on YouTube. I would recommend anybody watch this. It is really good uh, for an animated TV special. It reminded me of Pixar. It was it was that clever. Uh, and then next week, we're going to be wrapping it up with a movie that I have dreaded doing and that I will probably throw up in the middle of the recap of The Craft. So ah. if you want to hear me in complete misery, listen to our recap of The Craft next week. Is, is Alicia Silverstone in that? No. Who's in The Craft? Uh, Nev Campbell's in The Craft. Oh, yeah. She's uh, the same as Alicia Silverstone. Big in the 90s. <laughs> disappeared. She's Robin the Canadian King. version of... <laughs> Yeah, although Nick Campbell, I feel, kind of has come back slightly. I'm looking at Skeet Ulrich in this movie. Wow. He is, yeah. Breck and Meyer. Oh. <laughs> Brenda Strong. I actually like Brenda Strong. <laughs> um, wow, big names. Uh, yeah. Christine Taylor is in it, you know? Miss, Mrs. Stiller? Well, I like Christine I am Taylor. not getting more excited. No, I, I mean, I'm just trying to get excited for you, but, uh, you know. <laughs> Oh, Ben Stiller and Christine Taylor separated. Oh, that's sad. I thought they were still together. Oh, no. I'm going to end this episode on a sad note now. I didn't read that. That's not true. Um, (laughs) Thanks for tuning in, farting on a snare drum. Uh, My name is Ben, and you ruined my makeup, you butt. And my name is Colin, and Rodney King. Rodney King. He was that guy. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the Oz network.net thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time 